It's like gaffer tape. How many people have been to a Google thing here at the Google Learning Center before? Everyone, has, has anyone, is it anyone here for the first time? A couple, okay. How many people have been on a podcast in some way before as a guest? Has anyone here recorded a podcast before or started doing one yet? A few? Have, any, have the people who've done it, have you been doing it a lot yet? Or just getting started? Okay. How many people want to start a podcast? I figured that was, <laughs> that would be a good reason to be here. And how many people want to start an environmental podcast in particular? Maybe, okay. How many people want to do stuff for the environment in general? Oh, good, I was worried, it's like. <laughs> so you might do a podcast that's not environmental, but you still want to do environmental stuff, okay. Me too. Well, I want to do both. Actually, any questions before starting of like what people are looking for? The more I know about what you're looking for, the better I can deliver it. Although I got, I think I'm going to do pretty, give a pretty good, useful talk anyway. Any expectations? How to organize, there's a lot of things that you could organize. How to organize getting started, how to organize guests, how to organize. Okay. Actually, so she asked how to organize. All right, that's one, any, any other things to put in? How to get it out there to the mainstream for people to hear it. How to get it out there in the mainstream for people to hear it? Okay, how to get it. I have a, this is all the equipment I started with over here. Uh, and I'm gonna talk about that. I'm gonna show, there's a couple, I'm gonna, there's a couple, I'm gonna show exactly what to get, what software to get and things like that. I guess I, I can't really, I haven't paid anyone anything yet. Uh, there, I just covered that part. <laughs> Okay, how to, how, to get, how to get guests, how to reach out. Consistent from episode to episode? Okay. So I think I can cover a lot of this stuff. I saw a hand again? Okay. Yeah. Okay, so I'm gonna, I think I'm going to cover a lot of this stuff. Um, not directly, but I think I'll cover a lot of it. If I, if I reach the end and haven't covered these questions, ask them again to make sure, but I think I should be able to cover them. And I think the seats are pretty much full, so I'll probably get started. Originally, I was here 4 to, six, four to 5.30. Did you guys, it was all 3.30 from the start for all of you guys? Yeah. Well, what do you know? Thanks, Google. <laughs> What's that? Okay. When I signed up, it was 4. But I'm glad to see you earlier. That's why I was giving a little bit of extra time. Yeah, I, I like to be on time. Has anyone looked me up and looked up my podcasts? A little bit? Oh, well, you guys, I, I recommend my podcast. <laughs> I recommend my, uh, my other stuff, too. I have my books over here on display. 
initiative and leadership step by step. Last time I was here, I spoke about my, uh, my book initiative. I'm not going to talk about them except that they're there. Um, yeah, I guess I'll get started. The room, the room looks pretty full. I'm going to start by giving an overview of what I'm going to talk about, just to give some, so you know what's to, what's to come. And um, I'm actually, because of the questions, I'm going to say, it wasn't advice, I don't know if this is advice, but something someone told me that is perhaps the most important thing I learned about podcasting. And I got to say, I love my podcast. It's one of the best things that I've ever done in my life. I had no expectation that I would like it. I had no expectations that anything would come of it. I started knowing nothing, and it grew out of just doing it. And I want to share that with people because the I mean, there's a lot of podcasts out there, more than ever before, but I think there's going to be a lot more to come. And I think there's tons of space out there, especially in the area of the environment, because as far as I can tell, acting environmentally is of global demand. And there's a lot, there's, not, there's nowhere near the podcast that there could be to get things, these things going. So if you want to do a podcast, I think now's a great time. If you want to do an, an environmental podcast in particular, I think now's an even a great time for that too. And I recommend my podcast too. Check it out. Uh, I'm going to talk a fair amount about it. Okay, so the, the thing that someone told me, oh, and I'll, by the way, I'm going to talk, there's many different ways to do a podcast. There's ways to work with the big companies and do something that's very highly uh, produced. There's what I did, which is just to get started on your own and, see, and learn as you do. Uh, I did it because I wanted to meet people and bring my message out, as I'll talk about more. So I'm gonna, I, I was trying to think, I, I'm not going to try to do a completely comprehensive way of starting a podcast because there's so many ways to do it based on different ways to do it out there. There's so many different, every, each one of you is going to want to do something differently. And so what I decided, what I think will be the most valuable would be, I'm going to tell a lot about how I got started because I think probably if you're here, a few of you said you had started podcasts before, done something, but probably most of you hadn't done anything. And I want to make it so that, I want to show that based on nothing, you can get started. And what someone told me early on that was the mo one of the most valuable things that I learned was that no matter what you do, no matter how much you prepare, your second episode will be better than your first. Your tenth will be better than your second. And there's nothing you can do to stop that one day you're going to look back at your first episode and you will cringe at what you did. There's nothing, I believe, I've never talked to anyone who hasn't had that be the case. And so the most valuable thing I think you can do is to start doing your first couple episodes and be prepared that one day you're going to cringe. You can erase those and restart and do a new one if you want. I just kept mine up. I kind of reordered them. My first one is not what looks like it's the first one because I, want, I think a lot of people listen to first episodes. And so I made that one a slightly better one. But you're going to mess up the first couple times. I remember the first time when I started interviewing my first guest. I was like, OK, he knew I was going to do it with him first. And this one never made the air. But I started talking in the way that like, trying to talk how podcasters talk. And it was so awkward and so uncomfortable. He's like, Josh, just talk. And you know, it was over and over again, the first couple episodes. I just didn't know what I was doing. And now things are going very well. So does that help with people? Are people nervous about doing your first episode? No? Some yes, some no? I hope you are. I was. But on the other hand, it improves with time. So uh, I'm going to go back and ask you guys a few more questions about getting where you guys are and what you guys are looking for. And then I want to talk about my history leading up to my starting my podcast. So I'm going to go from having 
my first touching experiences being a guest on other people's podcasts, up until starting my podcast, why I started it, some reasons I, I held, held back on starting it, then what I learned in doing it. I'm gonna, and I'm also going to share with you my technique. Because my te I, I have a very fixed structure for how I do my podcast. And one, I want to share it because I think it's very useful. I didn't have it when I began. It emerged from doing the podcast. And so I want people to see that even if you don't know how, how to start, doing it will often, in my case, led to how to do it effectively. So I'm going to have a volunteer come up, and I'm going to do an epi a, a short, brief part of an episode with someone. And then I'm going to talk about my, my results, my, the guests that I've had, the access that I've gotten, the personal growth, the professional growth that's come from it, the talks that I've given, and things like that. Because that's one of the big things that comes from a podcast. Then I'm going to talk about why podcast. So after I've, what I've learned in doing it myself, that I'm not sure if it's obvious, but I'm going to share what I got out of doing the podcast. And then why an environmental podcast? Again, I just think it's one of the most important areas for anyone to work on. And so if you don't want to work on an environmental podcast, I hope that what I do is useful. But I hope you'll be interested in that too. Then I'm going to talk about the hardware, the software, the services. I started off very basic. So I actually, yeah, I did get this microphone before I started. And I'll, I'll talk about the specifics of it and how to get it and things like that. Uh, and the software that I use, the services that I use that came with time, and about how much money and time I spend on it. And then I'm going to share what I, what I suck at, things that didn't go well, things that I hope you can do better than I did on. And then for people who don't want to start from scratch, my podcast is growing and doing very well, so I'll talk about what opportunities there are if people want to work with me on my podcast, because it's doing very well. There's a lot of opportunity, and it could be working with me or doing something related to what I do. And does that sound pretty good? Yeah. You work for Google? I don't work for Google. Okay. Just curious. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but this is my second time being on this stage here. Any other questions before getting started? Feel free to ask questions along the way. I recognize that a lot of what I'd say is personal because I believe that's, that's what would help me the most if I were, what would, what would have gotten me started earlier. Since there's so many ways to do it and there's so many different interests, if you want to get, if you want to make sure that I cover something that's of interest to you, raise your hand and ask. I'll be happy to stop and answer that. So I want to talk about my history leading up to my first starting the podcast. So I'd heard about podcasts Years, I don't know, going back 10 years or so, but didn't really think much of it. I would download an episode here or, there, here or there before I really knew how. You know, I'd heard of them, didn't really know what they were, going back, say, five or 10 years. Then when my book, Leadership Step by Step, came out, I, one, of the, one of the things I wanted to do to get the word out was to be a guest on lots of other people's podcasts. So when I first was a guest on others, that just meant I had to show up. I didn't have to prepare anything. Uh, although at that time, actually, I, I cringe now because I started with just using a microphone, you know, the microphone that's attached to the ear, earbuds. And when I listen to that now, it's, it's, it's almost painful for me to listen to that. Like, I, I hear the, the equipment more than I hear me. And, but at the time, I didn't know that. And question? So I want to know kind of what your background is, but then what was your aha moment to actually want to start a podcast? So the aha moment is... The aha moment is to come. My background, I'll give a little bit more background. So um, I, I, how far back should I go? I'll go back to school. I was, a, I was a physics major. I got a PhD in physics and left academia to start my first company in the mid-90s. And I was an entrepreneur, did really well in the late 90s, early 2000s. 
the recession was, I got squeezed out by the investors in a very painful experience. And if you want me to cry, I can tell you more about it. Uh, went to business school, got an MBA, went back, started a few other companies, but found that in business school, I, I took classes in leadership. And I had no idea that you could learn such a thing before. And from then until now, leadership has been, and how to teach leadership more effectively than through case study and lecture and reading and writing papers, that has been a big passion of mine, how to teach leadership experientially, project-based. And so I teach at NYU, and I coach. Uh, and for a long time, I thought that's what I was going to do. I get great reviews from my students. Uh, I do talks and the books and things like that. And I should add leadership and also entrepreneurship and initiative. And then, you know, I was always fairly environmental. I grew up, I would take the subway. I'd turn off the lights when I was in the room, things like that. But I'm sure people have noticed, it's front page news almost weekly, almost daily now, that the environment's a serious situation. And so about five years ago, on my own, I just started, I guess I noticed how much garbage I produced in my house. And I gave myself a challenge if I could go for a week without buying any packaged food, just to see if I could do it. And I, I didn't really think I'd be able to do it, but I made it two and a half weeks. And ever since then, I've, I haven't completely, but I've mostly avoided packaged food. I buy almost all my food from uh, farmer's markets and CSAs, and I cook from scratch. And the last time I threw out my garbage, guess when the last time I threw out my garbage was? Two weeks ago, a little bit longer. That's closer. September 2018, and the time before that was June 2017. And now I look at packaged food, I'm like, oh, I can't, I, it's, I don't like it. And that led me to, um, a couple years later, to give myself a challenge when I learned how much pollution flying caused. I gave myself a challenge to see if I, if I could go for a year without flying, which I also thought would be impossible, and I also thought would like, be a horrible year. I'm now in year, actually by month three and a half or so, I, was, I decided to go for a second year because I was enjoying the experience so much and looking at flying is something I didn't want to do that now I'm, year four and a, I'm four and a half years in and I don't know if I'll fly again. It's just in a way that I can't really describe without, it's purely experiential, but flying is just less and less interesting to me all the time. And that's, so I had this background, but actually the podcast came in as part of that. So that's a bit of my background. There's the, the leadership was there. The environmental action was there. And so I really started acting environmentally with the no packaging thing five years ago. This leadership step-by-step -step came out two and a half years ago. And that's when I first started appearing on other people's podcasts. And I put a lot of work in. I would um, contact podcasters and say, my book is out. It gets great reviews. And I think you should interview me for your podcast. How about it? And I got to be on about 50 or 60 podcasts as a guest. And the first couple times, I was kind of struggling. I didn't really feel comfortable talking to just no one. I mean, I was talking to someone, but it's not the same as talking on the phone and knowing that my voice was going to be out there. So, but with time and with, with practice, I got more comfortable with being on a podcast. And then it happened that several times, I was the first repeat guest that would be on someone's podcast. And several times I was the first guest that was on three times on someone else's podcast. And people started telling me, Josh, you should start a podcast. Your voice comes out on the podcast. Now, when I was promoting my book, I had something to talk about. But for me to start my own podcast, I couldn't, I couldn't just promote my book and that's it. And I didn't just want to talk. 
So I resisted for a while starting a podcast. I didn't see the point. What would I just talk about? I didn't just want to talk. As I acted more environmentally, then actually a big thing happened that, well, it seemed that my government, the US government, didn't seem like it was moving in a direction to protect the environment in a way that I thought was appropriate. And so I felt my acting alone is not enough. And I think it's time, I do all the leadership stuff. I think leadership is missing from the area of the environment. I don't think telling people facts and figures and doom and gloom motivates people. Leadership does. So I wanted to bring leadership to the environment. And this started sowing the seeds for doing something other than just passively being on other people's podcasts. But still, I wasn't ready to do a podcast. What I did first was, as a professor at NYU, I could get space there. And I, I brought my students in. And I did a series of talks on the environment that were euphemistically a great learning experience. That means they were disasters. It was like, people were like, stop telling us what to do. Stop lecturing at us. We know this already. Stop trying to make us feel guilty. And they were very, as learning experiences, they were great. But I, I really wanted to give up at that point because I thought there's nothing I could do. And by chance, I met with a friend at a cafe, and we were just talking. And I mentioned that one of the things that I do is I pick up at least one piece of trash per day off the streets, and I just put it in a trash can. It's not even lowering the amount of trash in the world. It's maybe keeping it from going to the ocean and getting into a landfill. I was just talking about this. And without me prompting him, he said, I'm going to try that. I'm going to go for 30 days and pick up at least 10 pieces of trash per day. I didn't think much of it, but I was kind of, OK, that sounds interesting. I said, can I talk to you in 30 days? He said, yeah, no problem. 30 days later, I spoke to him. And I said, how did it go? And he said, you know, he said a few things. But the two big things that I remember that inspired me and were critical to the podcast where he said, at the beginning, I felt weird picking up trash because people might see me. It's kind of weird to pick up trash on the street. At the end, I felt weird. This is him talking. At the end, I felt weird passing it by without picking it up. That's meaningful change. I didn't make him do that. He also said, at the beginning, oh, he said partway through, he thought, you know, this was easy and something that takes nothing and gives me a better feeling. And so on his own, he decided to look up what's the next thing he could do to add on to that. And he found that his research told him that, taking, that cutting his meat consumption would be something he could do to act environmentally. I never talked to him about meat consumption at all. And he's a weightlifter. So he had to figure out all his macros and stuff like that <laughs> to make sure the protein, whatever, all that stuff had to work out. So he put work into it, and he cut his meat intake by half. That told me what a podcast could be for me. Because if I, asked, I thought I could ask someone to do something and then ask at the end what it, went, what it was like for them. And that, you know, it took a little bit of thinking. But I could, instead of telling people what to do like I tried the first time, I could invite people to do something and then have them on a second time and ask how it went. Because I anticipated that people would have an experience as I did, as he did, that they would like it. So that was July two and a half years ago. A little while after that, I started looking into what it would take to get it started. What would have been a lot faster had I been in your seats listening to someone who had done it before, but I was like, had to figure it out from scratch. And I started putting together, started interviewing people without really having the podcast yet. I would just interview people and just practice. And then I did about 
four or six months, I, I can't remember the details, of building up episodes because people told me, have a bunch of episodes ready before you actually launch. So from roughly August until December, I was collecting episodes. Actually, some of them are still recorded that I've never posted because they were so cringy that they were just practices. And I recommend, do it. It doesn't cost you anything to, I mean, you don't even have to record it. You can just practice podcasting with your friends. And I highly recommend it. It's just a way of getting started. Then I, in December, I launched, and I spent about a month before that of calling everyone I knew and saying, I'm going to launch on this particular day. And I didn't have anything more than that. I just talked to everyone that I knew, all the podcasters whose podcasts I'd been on. And I just said, everyone go onto iTunes on that day and download it and give me a high review. And that's all the launch that I did. And plus having the several episodes going. And um, so the aha moment was really at the cafe when he said, not, not after, after the cafe, it was the month later when he said that he had a positive experience. I also looked around and saw no one was doing anything like it. I didn't, have, I didn't know anyone who was bringing role models out there, bringing examples of people acting. Later, after I started doing it, okay, so when I started, I, got, I figured I could get at least all the 50 or 60 podcast hosts whose, whose shows I'd been on, I figured I could at least get them back. I could probably get episodes with my friends. What I was very pleasantly surprised to find was that a lot of people who had written blurbs for my book were very happy to do my podcast. People like to talk about environmental things if you don't make them feel guilty and shameful about it. And I gave them that opportunity. And so I started getting really great guests. <coughs> the next big evolution, so now I'm at a stage where I'm doing an episode a week, maybe two episodes a week, and interviewing people. I'm going to go into more detail about, I'm still giving the overview now. And I'm just getting better guests. And I've, what happens along the way is I develop a technique that now my podcast episodes have a very fixed structure that I had no idea would emerge. But it, only by doing could, I, could, I, could it emerge like that. And I'm going to ask a volunteer to come up in a little bit to, to do that podcast technique with them. The technique moves people, when I'm one-on-one -on -one with someone, most people, when I say, if I just blindly say, would you do something to act on the environment? Most people, if, you, if they think I'm really serious, they generally say something protective, like, oh, I don't know about that, or what one person, do, what, what I do doesn't matter, or these little things are so small, it doesn't matter, these big things are so big, it's too much. But I've developed a technique that I can get someone with something like 90% success to get them to go from oh, I don't know, that's something for someone else to do. I, I, I'm not a, someone about this. Two, I'm really glad I did that. I wish I'd done that before. I want to share that with someone else. I want to share that with other people. Not coercion, but I want to share a joy with others. Because people really like doing it, even picking up garbage off the street that's other people left there. People really like it when it's for their reasons. So I'll go into what that technique is in a little bit. Then I had a guest. So, but I don't have time to talk to 7 billion people to get 7 billion people to change their behavior. So one person changing is still not that much. I want to get lots of people to change their behavior. And I believe that everyone wants clean air, clean water, clean land. So I don't think I'm trying to get people to do something they don't want to do. My idea of leadership is to help people do something that they want to do, but haven't figured out how. That's my model of leadership. One of my guests, 
who was really big in solar and wind. His companies, companies he started were responsible for something like 10% of the increase in wind power production a couple of years ago. So he's really big. And he also does solar. And he said, the number one predictor of someone installing solar on their home is not how much money they would save. It's not how much money they have. It's not their politics. It's how many of their neighbors already have solar. And my takeaway was that community motivates people more than facts and figures and doom and gloom. And that gave me a drive, a passion, to get on my podcast the people who are in the most other people's communities. Who's in the most people's, who can you think of who's in the most number of communities of anyone you know? Who is, can you think of who is in the most number of people's communities of anyone that you know? Because that's who I want on my podcast. I'm thinking Oprah, LeBron, Serena, Elon, Sergey, Larry, Madonna. The people when you say their first name, no one's like, Oprah who? Because I think that if, if I get Oprah on my podcast and I share with her and I walk her through this technique that I'm going to walk you guys through, I think she's going to love it. I think it's going to create a legacy. And I think the next day, more people will change their behavior to act on the environment than from all the scientists, legislators, journalists, and educators before. This is an overwhelming passion for me that I could not possibly have predicted before. And I've the courage and the inspiration that this is something greater than myself, that I want to, I'm going to get Oprah someday, like mark my words. And if it's not Oprah, it's going to be LeBron, and so on. And I want that, this, this is what gets me out here. This is why I want you guys to feel something like this as well. Are you guys inspired? Yes. If you guys get Oprah first, send her my way. <laughs> or LeBron or Serena. I will. Okay. And uh, that emerged, yeah, question? Yeah, okay, so if Oprah, once I get in touch with Oprah and I'm talking to her people, once I'm talking to Oprah's people, if, it, if I can do a primetime special with her and, not, do the, and like not have her on my podcast but do the primetime special, I will do that. I want to do, I mean, I'm driven to, I, I believe my podcast makes people feel good about acting environmentally, and I don't think people feel particularly good about acting environmentally, and that's the change I want to bring to the world, is for people to stop feeling like it's a burden, it's a chore, I don't really want to do it, but I have to, to feeling like, I want to do this more, I want to share this with others. That happened that one time with my friend in the cafe, and now I'm bringing it to others. I'm excited. <laughs> so... Um, I want to bring the, and I want to say something. One of my guests, does ever, do people know Seth Godin? Yeah. So he's, he's really big. If you look him up, you'll see that he's like pretty well known. I think he's done a bunch of bestsellers. His TED Talk views have been viewed like 10 million times. And he wrote a blurb for my, for my book. And so we were in touch. And I reached him because my publisher had reached him first. And we were in touch. And I wrote him and said, would you be on my podcast? And he wrote back and said something that seemed kind of weird to me. He said, talk to me when you do your 50th episode. And I thought, what does that mean? And now I blog, and I've written thousands of blog posts. I haven't missed a blog, in, a blog post in, in years. And so I wrote him back, and I said, if you think I'm not going to make it to 50 episodes, mark my words, I'll make it to 50 episodes, because check out my, my, my blog. I've done thousands of episodes. I haven't missed a day. He said, yeah, talk to me after 50. And I, then when I started getting up around 30, 40 episodes, 
things started really changing. And I started really hitting my stride and feeling more comfortable interviewing and not struggling to figure out what to say or do. So I don't know if 50s where the turnover point is, somewhere before that. But certainly before 20, before 30, I'm still working. I'm still struggling. I'm still trying to figure out what to do. I'm still nervous. Now I'm very comfortable talking with very famous people. And I don't have any problem working these things out. There's nothing, I believe, that can substitute for that kind of experience. So Seth has done many, many podcasts before. And so I think he worked that out from experience. So expect it to take a while. Uh, but expect to have fun early on. Any questions? Did you say Seth Rogen or Godin? Seth Godin. Godin. G-O-D-I-N. Yes, Lynchpin author, and uh, this is marketing, and a bunch of other things. In fact, I interviewed him at his home. He, I took the train up to his place, and he picked me up, carrying a bunch of vegetables that he got from the farmer's market. And yeah, really cool guy. Yeah. Yeah, you're going to, most people, I mean, maybe you just want to get your voice out there, but if you want to get great guests, I think I started with, with a lot, but I had to do, reach them through marketing my book. It's the same if you're marketing the podcast. I just had to go out there and like, contact people. And at first, you start with whom you know. You start with what you got. And you do quality, and you stick with it. And eventually, I consistently go out there and contact people beyond what I think I can reach. And sometimes it works. And you just got to work the network and build it with what you have. The longer you do the podcast, the more you can get. When you, when you start off, don't, I recommend you're, you're just not going to be able to get that many people. You're going to do what you can, and then you're going to build and build and build. And I don't think there's any other way around it. And so now I feel confident approaching very well-known people. I still get turned down by more than I get accepted by. But I can say so-and-so has been on. And so-and-so has been on. And that gets a lot. Oh, also, when I am near, if, if someone is speaking that I think might remotely be someone interesting on a podcast, on my podcast, I will try to go to that event. And when it ends, I go up to them. And in person, I you know, shake their hand and say, I'd love for you to be on my podcast. Or you know, I think, do you, is the environment something that means something to you? If so, I'd like to get your voice out there. You've got to work out the, the specific message. But now when I'm in, if I'm near someone, that's famous, that's more famous than me, then that motivates me and it gives me something to work with. If you don't have that, if you, if you think start and then, if you think you have to have that to start, you never get started. If you start and then do that, that works out more effectively. Well, that was what he said to me, what he emailed to me. So I didn't ask him what are the specifics. But I waited until I was about 40 or 45 episodes in, and then I wrote him again and said, I'm about to do 50. I'm just trying to get an idea because I understand there's so much initial refinement that, that gets done. I'm just trying to get an idea of. So when I, post, when I post an episode, it says like 152 colon, and then my title for the episode. So when that number at the beginning, the first one was episode 001, 002, 003, 004. And when I got up to, 05, up to like 045, 046, I wrote Seth and was like, check it out. I'm approaching 50. Let's schedule it. And we did it. But I mean, that was just his casual mentioning it. 
And I mention it here because just know. I mean, unless you, maybe you guys are more talented than I am. But I think for virtually all podcasters, you get better with each episode. So um, can I get a volunteer to come up here and do something? Your hand came up really quick. Come on up. <laughs> and your name? Glenn Ross? Yes. Have a seat. So is the, is the environment something important to you? Yes, it is, yeah. And what, if you don't mind my asking, normally this doesn't have an audience of, I don't know how many people here. Um, have you acted on the environment? Have you done something, like anything? Um, well, I mean, as far as, like, Turning off the lights when you're not in the room, oh, yeah, yeah, or yeah. oh, definitely. Um, I turn off the lights. I'm kind of obsessed with it. Uh, I recycle. Uh, tell my wife, yeah, I get upset when she put the uh, like aluminum or you know just mix up the garbage. How know, can people do that? Yeah, she does that because she 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 want me to do it all. So, I'm like, so all right, when you when <laughs> you act on the environment, yeah, what do you think about? What do you think about when you think about the environment? Like, what motivates you? Well. Um, well, so something that, that just came to mind, uh, family, family basically, you know, for their future. Mm -hmm. And I've also seen videos, uh, you know, with the, um, like wildlife, you know, with the, they're caught in the ocean and it's like oil and stuff like that around. And, you know, they, they just look helpless, and, you know, and just want to do something that people that, uh, you know, animals that can't help themselves. So. So animals that can't help. So are you, when you talk about nature shows, are you talking about, are there any particular that really, is there like an image that comes to mind? You, you know, like those infomercials, <laughs> you, you know, when you see like uh, maybe a seagull that got caught in the ocean and like oil you spill or something like that. Uh, and also those, um, those, those plastics that we use for uh, like six packs. Um, yeah. You know, um, I've seen like images like that where they got caught into um, things like that. And, uh, you know, it's just horrible. So. And I also, uh, I'll pick things up off the street, you know, um, I've done that. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, just to, just to try to contribute a little bit. So when you, pick, when you pick stuff up off the street, are you kind of, in your mind, is it partly those images of like the, the six-pack rapper, th I don't know what you call the... Yeah, it pops in my head, strangely enough, it does. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it pops in my head. Um, I, I've, I've actually tripped on things myself, like that was just left in the street. Um, yeah, so, so it's just, I wouldn't want someone else to experience that, you know, or get hurt by something that's just left out in the environment, yeah. All right, so I want to add, I invite you, at your option, you don't have to do this, I mean, just because you're here, but I invite you at your option to think of something that you could do to act on that feeling. Okay. Now, a lot of people, when they hear this, the first thing they think is, what's the most important thing I can do for the environment? But that's not what I'm asking. It's not, this is not to fix all the world's problems by yourself overnight. But just to do something to act on what you care about, and with a couple, a couple of restrictions. Okay. It can't be something you're already doing. I'm mean, happy you're doing things, but something new. Okay. It can't be telling someone else what to do. It's you have to do it yourself with your own hands. Okay. And it has to be something measurable. You don't have to measure it, but it can't be just raising awareness. I'm all for education and awareness, okay. but something where you're actually doing something. And it doesn't have to be forever. It can be short-term. But I invite you to think of something. And most people, it takes a little bit of back and forth to come up with something. Right. Sometimes people have something right away. Hmm. It's something specifically that <laughs> I can do to help the environment. 
Well, to act on, I mean, you, you, you saw the images of the, you described the images of, of seagulls with the right. oil or plastic bothering them. Right. Something to act on that. Okay. Um, well, I got, uh, maybe something joining a group uh, probably that just uh, helped uh, clean up the oceans. Uh, and well, like that can be, uh, I'm not opposed to joining the group, but what would right. you do in that group? And could you do that yourself? Even if it's just once or twice. It, or maybe organize people, yeah, something like that. And just, uh, you know, send out information to friends and like, try to organize a group, uh, probably go on some excursions and to clean up the environment, um, the ocean. So, so if you were going to organize a group to do it, yeah. that's why I restrict for you to do something. Could you do something yourself, just once even, or, or short term? Yeah, um, I can actually go by myself and uh, pick up things. Um, trying to think of other things as well. But that's, that comes to mind the quickest thing to do, uh, I'm assuming. So let's make it, if you're game for it, right. then what I, what I say next is always to make it a SMART goal. We're SMART, do people know the acronym SMART? Specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, time-bound? Yeah. Could we make it specific? Specific, okay. Hmm, let's see, this, um, so back to the original question. Just something that I can do myself yeah. to help the environment. Yeah. Okay. Uh, wow. Well, other than uh, just picking up, things, picking things up when I see, like litter on the ground or recycling. Uh, something if you already like that. do that, then I already do that. So yeah. Other than that. Now, if you do that kind of casually and you want know, to make it more specific and like say right. every day or something, that, that I would count that. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. Every, all right. Every day. Um, every day for maybe thirty days, uh, like you said, uh, can uh -huh. pick things up off the street. Um, maybe I have dogs, you, you know, I have dogs, and, um, and sometimes I actually do this, which is kind of gross, <laughs> I don't recommend this to anyone, but, uh, well, yeah, I do recommend it, because uh, sometimes I would see some, uh, you know, another dog, you know, actually went uh, on a pavement, uh -huh. and I would pick it up, <laughs> in addition to my own dogs, you know, uh -huh. try to clean it up in that way, and, and um, occasionally I, I would use, instead of, I have a uh, little baggies, you know, to pick it up. I would just use something that I see instead of opposed to using the one that I purchased already. Uh -huh. I use the one that I see on the street and, you know, pick it up. So essentially I'm cleaning up the street uh -huh. and picking up uh, after my dog and someone else's dog to help out. So That's funny. I, have, like that. <laughs> I don't have a dog, but actually I've done yeah. this. I, when I, sometimes people drop their dog, um, the rolls, still in the roll. Yeah. I see it on the street and I pick that up and give it to my friend. She's like, oh, cool. Now I don't have to get new ones. So I heard a smart goal. It sounded like to pick up street stuff from the street every day for a month. Right, as opposed to using my own baggies. Maybe, yeah, I'll do that every day. Instead of using that, I'll pick up some, some garbage that's on the street, pick that up, and then use that to uh, you know, pick up the waste from, from my door. Would you be game if we exchange emails to, for me to ask you how it went in, in 30 days? Oh, yeah, sure. Okay. And yeah, it's a good challenge. Like now, I've, I've led this interaction. Are you doing this for me? Am I doing it for you? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, essentially, I guess us uh, doing it for the, for the two of us. Or, or what, what, what I planned to, on doing was yeah. picking up the... Yeah, uh, the picking up the... the oh, no, I'm doing it for, for, the, for the world, yeah. I'm doing it to help out, my, well, actually, my community. And, uh, you know, maybe it could go on to lead to someone else. They're seeing that I'm doing it. Uh, mm -hmm. Maybe they ask, ask me something about it, and, you know, then they'll start doing it. So I guess you could just uh, be passed on. Okay. Now, am I, I'm reading that this is something you're kind of looking forward to. Yeah. Okay. And does everyone see the technique? I mean, do, does it look like he, I, I, my read is that he's genuinely wanting to do it. 
and he felt comfortable talking about it. Yeah, I'll do it. And before you leave, let's exchange emails. Yeah, definitely. And I want to talk to you in 30 days, if that's cool with you. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Thank you very much. Hey, thank you. Thanks, How did that look to people? I'm kind of curious. I, I, I don't know what you guys are going to say. You seemed very curious throughout the entire process. Uh-huh. I, I am curious. Actually, I have to say that, that when I ask someone, what does the environment mean to you, that to me, I love, at the beginning, and you'll hear me say this on the podcast if you listen to it, I thought everyone was going to say the same thing. I thought everyone was going to have the same answer. I've never heard the same answer twice. It's, I love that part of the podcast where people share what it means to them. And in his case, I've seen nature things, but that's not what motivates me. And different people have different things. Sometimes it's the apple tree at the end of the block that got paved over when they made a shopping mall. Sometimes it's swimming with the dolphins. It's always different. This is heartwarming to hear. <laughs> what else do people see? One question. Um, the podcast only took about one interview, so it took uh, Oh, actually, most of my podcast episodes are interviews of people. I be- you're asking, is it always an interview? Yes. At some point, I started doing editorials. So I have two types of episodes. One is like the interview that you just heard. The other is I, me just editorializing speaking. So um, I'll, so I'll, I'll describe how my podcast has evolved. At the beginning, I knew that I wanted to get people to do something, and I hadn't yet developed how I would do it. Over the course of many, many, like at least 50 episodes, I developed that technique that I did. I'm, I'm going to describe the technique. It's actually the first part of the episode is I want to talk about the person, who they are, why they're great, because not all listeners are going to know every guest. So most episodes that I do are about an hour. A lot of people say that's too long. Whatever, that's how I do it. That's my strategic choice. Uh, the first half is, of the first episode is usually I'm asking them about what they do, the book that they wrote, how they got to be who they are, stuff like that. Then at some point, if we haven't transitioned into talking about the environment, I say, all right, let's talk about the environment. And sometimes I'll say, you know, it's the name of the podcast. And then I'll say, what does the environment, is the environment something important to you? That's always a yes. I suppose there's some people, I mean, everyone, if, 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 if they say no at that point, I say, you know, clean air, clean water, clean land. Do you want mercury in your fish? So I can always get a yes on, does the environment mean something to you? Then I ask, there's this four steps. What does the environment mean to you? What do you think about? What are the images? What are the memories? What are the hopes? What are the dreams? I might see it in different ways, but I want to get them sharing what it means to them. Then once something has come out that I feel is coming from inside them, that they feel there's something, an emotion there. Then I say, I invite you at your option to come up with something that you could do to act on that. And then I must, I have to say first, you don't have to, this isn't about fixing all the world's problems by yourself overnight. Because if they ever say, oh, but what one person does doesn't matter, I can't get out of that hole. And then it feels like I can't, they're stuck in that rut. So I have to say that. And then I say, over, the, over many episodes, I've evolved, or the technique has evolved for me to say, it has to be new, something you're not already doing. 
It has to be something that you do with your own hands, not telling other people what to do. And it has to be something that has a measurable result, not just education, not just raising consciousness or awareness. And then generally they have his response, which is like, oh, I'm not really sure. And I say, well, sometimes I go back and forth a bit. And then we go back and forth. And almost always they come up with something that they've been wanting to do for a while. I think that they don't share that at the beginning because so many people, when they talk about the environment, have been walked into an ambush and said, oh, you're not doing enough. Or you don't really understand. I mean, has everyone felt that way from someone? Like, you say, I recycle, and they're like, oh, well, you should recycle more, or something like that. Has everyone gotten that? Everyone knows that's coming. So I'm, all my talk is supportive, non-judgmental, never imposing my values on them. And then if I keep going back and forth, they'll come up with something. Every now and then it doesn't quite work out, but usually they come up with something. And then I say, OK, let's make it a smart goal. And that's just taking it from like general, I could do something picking up garbage, to 30 days, once a day, and then it's a smart goal. And then I say, let's talk again after that period. Sometimes it's a week, sometimes it's a month, sometimes it's a year. And there are people, there's one guest that's going to be on for the first time in a year. She pledged to not buy any new clothing for a year. And she got totally into it. She's sending people all to me all the time. Of like, hey, Josh, I met this person. She's also not buying stuff for a year. So it's like spreading out there. And that's my four-step process. And then at the end, I, I ask at the end, uh, is there anything I didn't think to ask or anything you want to say directly to the listeners? And then I end with a thank you. Then I schedule the next episode. In the next episode, I ask, now you know what I'm going to ask you in a month. What was it like? And then they're gonna, usually what they do is the facts of it. And they give me the play-by-play. -play. And then I say, OK, that's the play-by-play. -play. Very interesting to hear. I'm curious about the emotions. What did it feel like doing it? Was it hard? Was it easy? Was it fun? Was it horrible? Was it a mistake? And then they say, usually it was fun in some way, something like that. And they say, OK, what about the relationships? Did you interact with anyone? Did it affect how you interacted with your boss, your kids, your spouse? And almost always, it, in fact, not almost always does it involve someone. Almost always, it creates connection and community. This is something that has affected my life far beyond expected. When I think of acting on environmental values, I used to think burden, chore, distraction. Now I think community, connection, joy. I mean, this has dramatically changed my life. I didn't, there's no way I could have predicted this, even when the guy told me about the, his experience picking up the garbage. And then I'll ask, sometimes I'll ask, do you want to do it more? Do you want to uh, share it with others? Do you want to, sometimes people say they want to do a second episode, or a third episode, rather. That structure emerged, and it's sort of a very fixed structure. If you watch my first TEDx talk, it describes that structure in a little more detail than I did here. Now, do I say you guys should use that structure? You can if you want, but you don't have to. But my point is, you'll almost certainly develop a structure over time that you couldn't have foreseen until you started doing it. And so I find a lot of, when I listen to other podcasts, there's almost always a structure underneath. And I bet almost all of them, it came through practice and rehearsal. And so I recommend starting and expecting that something will happen the more that you do it. And if you don't do it, good luck finding it, because I don't know how you can get the structure without practice. So um, any questions? The length of your podcast, your conversation being an hour, how did that, yeah. did that start out that way? Or did it, it stuck. How, how did I get to one hour? I got a lot of advice from people, keep it to 20 minutes, keep it to 30 minutes, keep it shorter. And I also, there's a few podcasts I listen to that are like Joe Rogan, Sam Harris. They do sometimes two hours, sometimes three hours even. 
And so I was like, I think that a lot of people, if it goes over an hour, they're not going to download it no matter how interesting it is. I mean, if you have millions of listeners, you can be more flexible. You can do that. But I tried doing shorter ones, and I just couldn't get the – it just didn't feel right for me. And I made a strategic choice that I'm willing to sacrifice the listeners that I will not listen to something over 20 or 30 minutes. But I wanted to get the depth of conversation. Then – Well, my audience keeps me from going well over an hour. I've had many episodes that are like an hour and a half. Uh, and, a, and I did hire one editor for a while to cut hour-long conversations to 20 minutes. And I, I could have gone either way. I, they weren't bad, but I didn't feel like they gave the real conversation. And so I went back to keeping them at an hour. And when I start getting up to like 45, 50 minutes, I can see, you know, I, I, I'm keeping track of the time while I'm recording the conversation. Then I start thinking, I better wrap up soon. I can't say what the right amount is. There's some who do longer ones, and I'm sure that I'm getting less of an audience than I could. But my goal is partly to re reach a big audience. My goal is to reach the guests. Because I do expect that when I get Oprah, I'm probably going to do a primetime special. And then I don't have to worry about how many guests that I have. And sometimes I have a guest who says, what number of downloads do you, how many downloads do you get? Because if, if I don't get enough downloads, I suppose they might not go for it. I've had a couple episodes that have had over 1,000 downloads. I don't know if that's high or low, but that, I've no, I say that, and no one's said that's too small. Most, I get like 500, maybe 700 for a reasonable episode, some very low also. My strategy, you have to develop a strategy. I think you have, have something at the beginning, but over time you have to develop it. And because lots of people give you advice to go lots of different directions, and if you keep going in all different directions, it's like monkey mind. You just lose track of stuff. And so um, my focus is on getting the best guests. That's what I'm working on. By best, I mean the guests that are in the most number of people's communities. Actually, I'm going to talk about the, the results that I've had. So um, actually, any other questions about the technique? Or? Yeah. I could do that. I do that in regular life when the, when the cameras or when the microphone's not on. I just do that in regular life. When I'm talking to people, I find it much more, when the, when the environment comes up, I find the conversations much more productive if I'm asking questions and responding in a supportive, non judgmental way. So that's just changed how I talk about the environment. Of course, people who know me know that I, I do get judgmental and I do get, you know, probably make people feel shame and guilt. I, I, I'm trying not to, but it, it's hard. Uh, but I try that, but I don't think that I'll get many downloads that way. And I'm way overloaded right now. I've, I probably have a couple dozen episodes in, in my pipeline that are being edited, and I just don't have the, at the beginning, I would get lot, as many guests as I could. Now I just have to filter a lot. So, and that, I believe that will happen, I hope that will happen with you guys, but it doesn't happen at the beginning, that I have to turn down a lot of guests. A lot of people come to me and they say, I know just the right guest for you. It's this person doing this uh, composting program in this community, and they're doing great work. I'm not about 
I'm about bringing leadership to the environment. There's much more effective leadership outside the environment than inside the environment. I want people that are very well known. That, that's one of my big measures of leaders, is how many people are following that person. I don't mean like Facebook follows. I mean like really following, like doing something that they wouldn't do otherwise. So for me, that's a strategic choice. I want, to, I want well-known people, and I just can't bring in just everyone. If someone else wants to do all the editing and all the posting and stuff like that, I'll do it, but that's for their podcasts. I, don't, I can't do it for my, I don't have time to do that for mine. That's just, I mean, I think everyone, you got to create a strategy and stick with it. So I, um, so joshuaspodek.com, in the upper right corner is click podcast, or joshuaspodek.com slash podcast. I'm on iTunes, I'm on Stitcher, I'm on, I forget what else. And I'll talk about how to do all those things in a second. Actually, iHeartRadio just contacted me and said that they're doing, promoting environmental podcasts and they want me to do it. So I might be on there soon. I think you have to pay to be on them. I forget, um, but maybe I'll be featured on them. And it's kind of cool when they contact me. Feels great. Coaching, I, the reason, I, I, I've never hired a coach for podcasting. I hired coaching for, um, for the book launch stuff. Um, yeah, not for podcasting, but I, I, I mean, I read a lot and I practiced a lot, but I just started going. You were able to have a successful launch, launch on, on iTunes because yeah. you reached out to your network that already existed. Yeah. iTunes doesn't give that, or at least it didn't. We hit 38 at one point. It may have been higher, it may have been lower. I'm not sure. Well, it, I, that's the highest I know of. It may have gone higher. I don't think that that was at the time people were telling me um, new and what is it called? New and, new and noteworthy or something in iTunes was like important for a while, but I don't think that's the case anymore. It's not. iTunes doesn't have. Years ago, it was the big player, but I don't think launches like that, I'm not sure how much of a difference it makes. Uh, so I'm not sure, Th my goal was to get as many downloads as I could within like a 24-hour period. So, I, but I just, I, I wrote like probably 700 emails just to people I knew in, in like a couple days. And I wanted to do it, I didn't want to send out a mass email, so I, I was copying and pasting, but it was like personal emails to people. And so I probably got several hundred downloads, and last I checked, I think I had 80-something five-star reviews. Not all of them are my friends, I don't know that many people. Or I don't know. I mean, I have genuine people I don't know who've written those reviews, but I don't get a whole lot of reviews anymore. But I haven't. That's also not part of my strategy. I'm I'm not trying to. Uh, I'm trying to use my podcast to get Oprah. So with your strategy, so I'm like with me with my idea, I'm trying to do a podcast, and then I'm also a television producer. So I'm thinking of YouTube and then even series. So with your podcast. Is there ever, would you ever translate that into a YouTube series? And why, why or why not have you not used it yet? All right, this is what happens when you podcast as well, is when I hear a producer, I'm like, have you thought about doing an environmental thing? And that's like, it's like, um, so yeah, the, the, for me, the podcast was a means to an end. I want to change cultural values from growth to enjoying what you have, from externalizing costs to stewardship. And the podcast was my way of getting started because it cost me virtually nothing. 
and it could get out there, and it's growing and growing. But if, and I don't have the means to do a TV show, but if the opportunity arises, I'll do that. And if I switch from podcast to something else, I'll be happy to do that if the other thing achieves the, the goals better. Or maybe I'll do both for a while. I'm not sure. So the longer that I do it, the more professional I get, the more sophisticated I know what I'm doing. And I can speak more knowledgeably and for more, back, for more history. So I'm happy to go to what works best. And if I become like Oprah's Dr. Phil, but environmental thing, I'm really getting ahead of myself here. But uh, saw a hint. So I don't have a huge number of listeners. You remember I was going to say what I suck at? I have not really done marketing, and that's a very important part of it. So I have it set up so that every time I post to my uh, podcast page, it automatically goes to my Twitter feed, my LinkedIn feed, and Facebook. But that's the, almost the extent of it. What I'm, the buzz that I'm looking for is among the guests. So that's something that I... Sorry, I can't really help you guys on with how to get a lot of follows on Twitter and so forth. And I barely use Instagram at all. So this is something that uh, you're going to have to get from someone else because it's important. It's extraordinarily valuable. But actually, my strategy here is not that I'm not doing it. It is that I'm not doing it, but I, it, the amount of effort that I put into finding great guests, that's a full-time job. Well, full -time, that takes all the time that I have devoted to the podcast. I'm leaving that open for someone who really loves, who wants to work on the environment, is impassioned, and wants to do the marketing side. And so I've started to get volunteers coming out and working on these things. So I'm, it's not that I don't think it's valuable, but I want someone who's great at it and who loves it so that we can be a team. And then they can do what they're great at, and I can do what I'm great at, because I think that if I did it, I wouldn't get the great guests that I get. So I hope that's not unsatisfying. It's very important. I just can't speak from experience myself on how to do it very well. How long do you think, um, how much time would you best get in, in um, researching your guests? In researching the guests, I, I'm overflowing with possibilities. So let me tell you about my results, and that might give you some context. I'm going to scroll down here. I put on my podcast page, all right, how do I get great guests? One of the ways is I want them to see the great guests that I've already had. So if I go down a bit, Upcoming guests, these are recorded. Can, I don't, I'm not sure, can people read the writing? Is it too small? Actually, I can make it bigger. Ah! Hello, that's me. Uh, okay, I got coming up Larry Atch, who's a Navy SEAL officer. David Katz, he founded this place called Plastic Bank. He's got like 10 million TED Talk views. Someone put me in touch with him. He's one of the rare, purely environmental people that I work with. He actually came over to my place, which is kind of cool. Joshua Becker is becoming minimalist. Do people know, he's one of the top minimalist people. And he was, how did I get him? I saw that he was speaking for a book he was releasing at Strand Bookstore. And I emailed him and said, how, if I bring my microphone to Strand, will you do an episode with me after your event? And he wrote back and said, uh, I'm, my time is very tight. Immediately after that, I'm spending time with my family. And I wrote back and said, well, can we do a remote episode? And he was like, sure. That's how I got him. I just looked up his, I just went to his contact page and just did that. So here's some popular downloads. Sir Ken Robinson, I don't know if people have seen his TED Talk view. Most of you TED Talk of all time. I saw him speak at an event, and I went up, and people were flooding him, but I saw another person 
um, with the same last name on his name tag. And I, have, I, I guessed that while everyone was flooding Ken, I think it was James Robinson, I went up to him and said, are you his son? And he goes, yeah. I go, I'd love to have him on the podcast. And that worked out. Actually, Ken Robinson and his son, I probably emailed eight or maybe 10 emails in a row with no response. And I had to keep very polite. Polite persistence is the name of the game, is what I find works. But then he was a phenomenal guest. I would just ask him a question, and he would speak for five minutes. And that five minutes would be one of the best TED Talks you've ever heard, except it was just totally extemporaneous on his part. So Ken, I could not, I had one shot with him, so I just spoke to him. We talked, I mean, listen to the episode, but I spoke to him about, about education, about the environment, but I didn't do the process that I did with you. So I didn't get him back a second time. I knew I wouldn't get him back a second time. I hope that the relationship still grows and builds. I think he had a good time talking to me. I certainly love the podcast. So that one was just a one shot. So I couldn't, that was just me talking to him about education, because that's his forte, and the environment. Then Seth Sheldon. Nobel Peace Prize winner. And I saw a different Nobel Peace Prize winner that he worked with speak at an event at the new school near me. I went to that, and I went up to her after, Beatrice Finn, and I said, would you be on the podcast? And she said, yeah. She put me in touch with her PR people. And she's all over the world all the time. Couldn't get her, but the PR people said, talk to this person. That person said, talk to this person. Turns out he lives a couple blocks away from me. I ran into him once on Greenwich Avenue. And by chance, he happened to have his Nobel Prize on him. <laughs> and so I held it in my hand. Yeah, all the time. And he's been over to my place for dinner a couple times. It's kind of cool. That wouldn't have happened without a podcast. Uh, Dominic Barton. Does everyone know McKinsey, the big consulting firm? So he was the three-time global managing director. So I had a friend who worked for McKinsey. Doesn't work there anymore, and that guy I pointed out to him how people really like helping me get guests. And so I enlisted him, and somehow he got me in touch with Dominic's person. And I emailed back and forth a lot of polite persistence, and then I got an episode with him. That one also I wouldn't be able to get multiple. So that was just me talking to him. And I had to take what I could get. The, the sound quality on that one isn't so good, because he was, that guy doesn't stay in one place for more than a couple days. He's traveling all, all over the world all the time. I had to bite my tongue about talking about flying with him, because he knows the environmental impact of what he's doing. James Altucher, do people know him? So he's, I went to an event. I don't know if, if people don't know him, he's a best-selling author. He's, um, he's like a leadership guru type. He also does stand-up comedy, and he's got a club called Stand Up New York Uptown. And I went, to, I went there, and I, he was there, and I asked him, would you be on the podcast? And then it took a lot of scheduling, polite persistence, and then I, I, I recorded up there. Uh, Seth Godin, I talked about. Dan Pink, who I knew from my book. Anna Tobias. So she's an Olympic gold medalist and CrossFit Games champion. Can I share an anecdote of what came from that? No, it's too long of a story. Anyway, she's my first Olympic gold medalist that I talked to. And she's a sailor. I met her because another guest who's not on here, uh, Don Riley, I met through sailing. I started sailing because if I'm not flying, sailing's my only way to get off of North America. And so one day I planned to cross the Atlantic. Greta stole my thunder. I've been planning that for, since long before Greta came across. But I guess the internet tends to like teenage girls more than middle-aged guys. So she got all the attention. I haven't actually sailed across yet. But that put me in touch with the sailing community. So I met this woman, Dawn Riley, who has won the America's Cup. And then she put me in touch with Anna Tobias, who's an Olympic gold medalist. Uh, Beth Comstock, she's 
the CMO, she was a CMO of General Electric at the time, one of a Fortune five company. And I met her at an event. I just went up to her and said, would you be on the podcast? And she was promoting her book. And she was like, I'd be happy to. And so that worked out. So these are some of the guests that I have. Lieutenant General Paul Van Riper, who I can call Rip, a three-star general from the Marines. Um, Ken Blanchard sold The One Minute Manager. Have people read that book? 13 million copies. So once you get someone who sold 13 million copies, you can get a lot of other authors. Once you get an Olympic gold medalist, actually, I, I, partly I got her because I'd gotten a, um, uh, a Super Bowl winner before that, who I interviewed in 50 Cent's Midtown Studio. 50 Cent wasn't there. If he had been, I would have gotten him too. It is pretty awesome. And, uh, and so this is the type of guest I've gotten. At the beginning, I didn't have quite this caliber. I had some access to some of them. But I'm definitely using, I put this on my podcast page because I want people, when I, everyone wants to look at the page to see what it is. And I want them to see right off the bat, this is what's important to me. I want people to see these names. There's like several hundred, of the, just the TED speakers, there's like 700 Thousand, several hundred million TED views among my guests. That's my strategy. So if I'm not doing the, um, getting the LinkedIn followers and the, and the Twitter followers, it's because I'm working, this is where I'm putting my energies. No problem if you guys go in a different direction. I asked them to. I asked them to, and for a long time, I would, when, when I post their, when I, I record an episode with them, and then it takes a couple months for it to go through my pipeline before it posts. I hope to bring that down, but that's, I haven't been able to do that yet. I still have this backlog. And I write them, and I, when it goes up, I write them, and I say it's gone up. I love the episode. Um, I'm, I still welcome improvements if you see something to improve, or I welcome edits if you see something to improve. Otherwise, I hope you'll share it with your, with your audience. And the next episode will go up soon, too. And then and this, usually I'll put in a PS, like something, if there's something, some news that I can share with them. I used to put in things that they could clip, copy, and paste to put onto their social media. But I didn't find that made a difference, and it took a lot of time on my part. So I stopped doing that. I don't get a lot of reposts. Sometimes I get more downloads that I think came from them sharing it. But I think it's really it's the name that, that does it. Um, but mostly my number of downloads is pretty consistent episode to episode. So I think I just have my listeners, and it's slowly increasing on average. And that's, that's how it seems to work with me. I, I hope that you guys will do more and find more success on reaching audiences, creating your own um, followers. My goal, what's driving me is that I believe that people are motivated by their community more than anything else. So at least as far as these social and, and, um, and cultural things are concerned. So it may look like celebrities, but it's people who are in the most numbers of other people's communities. Leaders. So it doesn't have to be leaders. It's just that Oprah is in something like 500 million people's communities. I think roughly. 500 million people can probably say, I know who Oprah Winfrey is. I mean, they haven't shaken her hand. I'm not there yet. I don't think even 100 million people know me. I don't think like a few thousand people know me. No, probably more than that. So it's not that she's a celebrity. I'm happy if people follow her because she's a celebrity. 
but in this, I want her to act. I, want, I believe that I will get her and all the people. I, when, peop, when you listen to my episodes with them, I think that you hear people, I think you'll hear them say, I'm glad I did this. I want to share this. I'm glad this is something that I enjoyed. And I want people to feel like that. That's what's driving me. So, uh, oh, question? Mostly I'm not working with PR reps. Okay. Mostly I'm working with the people. Sometimes it goes with the PR reps to do the, the scheduling. or the, Not there's PR people, but there's scheduling people. But I mostly contact people directly. I, I also ask everyone to put me in touch with someone else if I can. I, I'm increasingly getting people contacting me when there's a book release, uh, when someone has something coming up and their PR people contact me. And I think this, helps, this list helps them. But mostly I'm not trying to. I, there's a couple people, like Tony Robbins, um, who are some of the others? What? I haven't tried. I'm thinking of the people whose PR people I'm working with. Uh, Tony Robbins, um, there's a couple others. Um, Tim Ferriss, um, there's a couple others. And I've been in like perpetual going around in circles with their PR people. So I don't really do much with PR people, just because I think it'll ha like I'll get Tony one day, but it hasn't happened yet. Although it's led her, I just interviewed um, Steve Kotler, who's a best-selling author, and Peter Diamandis. So the two of them work on like Singularity University, and so I just had the same person who does Tony's PR brought me them because their book is about to come out. I'm starting to get into that world. So what gets them interested? I certainly I had to refine my approach. When I talk to people about being on my podcast, I offer them the chance to have an environmental legacy. I think if someone, I say this is an area of global demand that's virtually empty. There's almost no one acting on the environmental values. And I want to give you the chance to set an environmental legacy. I think people who are public facing want legacies. I could be wrong, and it doesn't resonate with everyone. But I believe in my heart that I'm doing them a favor. So when LeBron is on my show, I'm helping him. And it's not for me that I want him on my show, although I hope to meet him. It's because there's a lot of people that follow what he does. And I think that they'll be happier to the extent that they pollute, polluting less. And I think that, I think he probably wants a legacy to last a long time. And I think he knows that Michael Jordan's legacy is a little bit less because of him. And his legacy will be a little bit less because of someone in the future. But the legacy for being the first person of his stature to act on his environmental values and share that with the world, that legacy, there's no one doing that right now. That could last centuries. I'm serious, like centuries, generations at least. The way that I'm talking with you right now, that's how I talk with people. I'm totally serious. Like I'm not, and, and by the way, at the beginning, I could not say any of that. At the beginning, I was like, please be on my show, thinking they're doing me a favor. But now it's, it's switched, and that only came from experience. And if you create a, a, a podcast that's, if, it, if it's just an entertaining podcast, but your goal is to tell stories, your goal is to entertain, your goal is to lighten people's load in this heavy burden, this age of like all this disaster and stuff, and that's your passion, you'll be, did it sound passionate when I was just saying it? Because I wasn't faking it. You will have that. If your thing is that you want to, I don't know what your thing is going to be, 
But if it's in your heart, you'll be able to talk that way, and people will be like, I want to be on your podcast. I, my genuine, I believe that I'm speaking with genuine authenticity, and I think that's what does it. It certainly helps that, that the pedigree, the, the, the guests that I've had before. So other things that have come from it. I've had two TEDx talks. The books have certainly done better as a result. Let's see what else. I have this access. I had, I've had an in-person event, so far just one, where I'd get a couple of my guests to come in, and I got a room at NYU, because I could do that. And I just had me and three people on a panel. And that led to me being invited to a bunch of other things. I was supposed to have another one this year, but it, it didn't work out. But I'll do more events in person. And I want that to happen more. Uh, there's been a lot of personal growth. And I believe that that will come to you as well. Understanding my values, understanding why I'm doing these things, understanding what this is about. At first, I thought it was about less pollution, but now it's about joy and community and connection and what's missing. And it's about leadership, not coercion, not management. Those things may be valuable, but I'm about leadership, making people enjoy, helping people find joy and community and discovery and wanting to act. And then professional growth as well. I've certainly made a lot of connections and gotten invited to give a lot of talks that there's no way I would have had had I not done the podcast. That didn't come at the beginning. It took a long time before that happened. But now it's happening more and more. And then there's a mastery of my craft. Now, every now and then, I'm like, I'm busy doing something. I'm like, oh my god, I have a podcast episode in like two minutes. And I can just turn on the computer, fire up the software, connect to my, the, the microphone, and everything goes great. And I have, when I'm speaking to people, even when they're super famous, I have no problem being myself and being comfortable. Every now and then, I'll talk to someone, and I'm like wowed by who I'm talking to, and it takes me a while to get into it. But like last week, does anyone know the book Eat to Live? Joel Furman. That book was like a big book for me because it, it, like my diet fits that. So I invited him to record at my place. I invite a lot. If people are around New York, I invite them to record at my home. And several of them do. That's why, that's why Seth was over my place, uh, Seth Sheldon, the, the Nobel laureate. And so I invited him, but his person said he's writing a book, but you can go to his place if you want. So I took the bus out to New Jersey, and he made me a salad. If you know his book, he eats a lot of salads. And we're sitting there recording. Do people know? He's like really big into, anyway. Um, oh, man, something that I felt great about. In the middle of that episode, we're talking, and he notices that my hand, it's kind of yellow. And he said, that means that you're eating the way that I recommend, because that's from all the beta carotene and all, these other, all those flavonoids. And, all the, and I was like, I felt so good. That's a detail that can't come out when you're not in person. With him, I was a little wowed. I was like, because he showed me his greenhouse, and he, his wife was there, and his kid, and like, I felt great. It felt like, I was also, like, it's when you meet a role model, and they exceed your expectations. Uh, so that one, when you hear that episode, it's not yet posted. You'll hear me at the beginning kind of struggling to get, me, get my grounding, because I'm just like, I thought I was going to just meet someone who was an author, and now you've like way outdone what I expected. So that was really cool. Um, so the results in cost and time. I've probably spent, it's a four-digit number. It's probably $5,000 that I've spent on my podcast so far. Now two and, a half years, uh, two and a half years since I started, two years since I launched. But a lot of that was spent on the web page. And I don't think you have to do a web page. Because every place where you host well, they can do the web page for you, and I think that would have been, going back, I probably would have done that. Once I have it, I'm going to use it. 
So it's a couple thousand dollars, but most of that came later when I hired an editor to, to do the sound editing for me. This thing I paid something like $50 for. The laptop I already had, the software was all free. The hosting was, is something like tens of dollars a month. The time I spend about, I probably spend on an average week 10 or 15 hours a week on it, but I also put out sometimes three or four episodes a week. If you do something like one episode a week, I think you can probably spend like under five hours a week on it. More at the beginning. Much more at the beginning because it takes a while to get a rhythm. Now I can do things a lot faster than I did before. Just a couple of things you mentioned the set for that. So I have up here, this is the microphone that I have, and I happen to look it up on eBay. So let me see. Here's a used one. 5899, 5288. It's the Audio Technica ATR2100 USB. I connect it to my computer, turn it on, and it works. Okay, and then you set the software. What software? Okay, so let me. Is it, I'm going to go through the hardware and software right now. So I'm going to do the hardware, the software, and the services. So far, so good. Is, is, is this useful for everyone? Yeah. Okay. Uh, did you need soundproofing or anything like that? Uh, I don't use soundproofing. This microphone comes with the, with the little stand that you see in the picture. And one day, Jordan Harbinger was a guest, and he's got a huge podcast. He's got like Kobe and Shaquille and Malcolm Gladwell. And he said, oh, you have your microphone on, on the table, right? I was like, yes. He goes, yeah, when you do it enough, you can hear that. So I then bought... Uh, this thing here, which is a microphone suspension boom thing. And I actually got it off of Craigslist uh, instead of uh, eBay. And it was like, oh, I got lucky. I bought it for like $10 or $15. And they somehow sent me three. And I waited a little while, and they didn't ask for one back. And I figured that was, on, I don't know. So I sold one and gave one to a friend. And I used one. Should I send it back? Probably. Now I feel kind of weird. Well, they're gone now. It's just, I have just the one. And I find it pretty useful because you can swing it around and move it up and down, and it's not off the table. I've not done soundproofing, and people say they like the sound of my podcast, the sound quality. Okay, so when I go to places, I bring this with me, and I just set it down. When I do a mobile podcast, I have this thing and my computer, and I aim this one toward me, and then I have this thing, which is a, a lavalier microphone, and you, I hand it to them and say, you've probably done this before, right? And they stick it on. And then the other end goes into your phone. If, if, I hope you have a phone with a, with a jack. And then you just turn on the sound recorder. And if you don't, you can buy a used one. If you don't have a jack, you can get a used phone because the, it's the quality of the microphone that does it. And then you just download, and then you just record it. So I, this is set onto them. And I say, this is so you can move your hands and not feel encumbered. And that's how I do it remotely. And I just use my cell phone. What about if you don't want them to know that you recorded them? I would never do that. <laughs> no, like say if you want to do like a wave for later on, you know, just to have like uh, probably specific content that uh, you know, they won't, so they won't know that they're on the podcast, so they can be honest or you know more open. Yeah, I haven't I haven't done that. I tell them up front, and I also tell them 
so you know I'm going to do this process where I ask you to act on your environmental values, and sometimes they say, I don't want to do that. And I respect that. I'm not going to put them in an awkward position. So I don't do any, any I, don't, I don't do that. So I can't answer that. Uh, but you may have any devices that uh, maybe you could just have like set up where, you know, not, not saying that you, I will put it out or anything like that without their consent. I'm saying later on, like, after the interview is done. If I were to do that, I would take my, my phone has a, a microphone, I mean, I, there's a, a voice recorder, and I would just start voice recording it with the phone sitting there and not tell them. And I, I wouldn't, I'd just say, like, oh, I'm checking my mail, I guess, and just leave it sitting on the table. If you're not going to post it, it doesn't. Yeah, I mean, yeah, with the intention of posting it, yeah. But you know, I'm with, but you would give them a waiver form, and if they agree to it, then you post it. But I'm trying to figure out, yeah, how would you get the uh, greatest quality? Yeah, I haven't, I, I haven't tried to solve that one because that's not, that doesn't fit within what I do. So I can't answer that. So then, um, other things that are useful. Okay, Audacity is the software that I use, and it's. I mean, some people have GarageBand installed or something like that, but Audacity is free. And you go to audacityteam. Well, just look up Audacity, and you can download it for Windows, for Mac, for Linux. And um, I just went to YouTube and watched a couple of videos on how to do it. And I mostly don't edit. When I edit, it's to take out ums and ahs sometimes. But ultimately, I got a guy to do it. And I'll talk about that in a second. But Audacity is very, it's free. It works, it's like pros do use it. And it's got a whole lot of functionality, but mostly what I do is just take out ums and ahs. And a couple YouTube videos will set you up on how to do that. And that's just a software for the quality of the podcast that you're... That's, so when I, when I connect the microphone, right. I bring up Audacity, and I hit the little, the this button right there for record, right. and then it starts recording. And then when I'm done, I hit the stop button, and then I hit, then I hit export to MP3, and that's my sound file, which I then send to my engineer. At the beginning, I would just edit that myself. It took a while before someone was like, Josh, get an engineer. And I was like, well, who should I get? And they were like, how about mine? And I was like, great, problem solved. But I would start with just doing it yourself at the beginning. And if people want a recommendation for an engineer, I highly recommend mine. And just get in touch with me. I'll put you guys in touch. So when you're doing the recording, you're saying this is going on at the same time. You're done. You hit MP3. Then you transport it over. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. And if you what, are, I'm sorry, go ahead. What I recommend for you guys is when you first do a couple episodes, I recommend the microphone. If you, when you're getting started, you can use just the, um, the headphone mic, the thing that comes with the earbuds that, that generally has a microphone. I would, not, I would not now post ones with that, but if I'm practicing to get started, which I recommend everyone do, that's fine. So I just connect that, record with Audacity off of one microphone, and you're going to get both voices in the same track. And then that first use that to get used to working with a microphone, working with someone getting your technique down, and so forth. And as you do it, then start learning Audacity and how to edit. I don't want to get into too much detail now, because I want to get you guys doing your first episode. And the difference between after and before you've done your first episode, or first 10 episodes that you don't post, but just that you practice with, is huge. 
and I want you, I want you to start doing your first one. So just take, the, take whatever microphone you have, but I do recommend getting that one, or what, I mean, there's others, getting a quality one eventually. Plug it in, start up Audacity, hit record, and then when you're done with the episode, hit stop. That's your MP3. Watch a YouTube video for how to use Audacity. I kind of was going to do it, but it would, it would have taken too long to do it, but YouTube will get you pretty far. And then you'll have your first episode. Did I? OK. I have not monetized my podcast. One of my main goals with environmental <coughs> action is to is degrowth, buying less stuff, polluting less. There are no advertisers who are about selling less. And so that happens to be my podcast doesn't meld with advertising. So that's I'm not making money off of it. I'm spending money not making money. Yeah, so I believe that this is an important a cultural shift that I'm trying to help this, our world with because it looks like we're filling up the oceans with plastic. We're filling up the environment with, with greenhouse gases, the extinctions. I think, I think we'll be happier when we're not doing that. So that's what's driving me. If you want to make money, that's great. That's your business. I can't really speak to getting advertising, but podcasting to get advertising, you can certainly do it. Oh, yeah, so Zoom and Skype. Yeah, if I do, oh, I didn't put that up. Have, has everyone here used Zoom or Skype? So, yeah, I do, I do a lot of recording remotely. And when I do it remotely, I start up, I do it mostly through Zoom. And so I send the person, we, we coordinate the time in the usual way. And, um, and then we, and I send them my URL. And we both log in at the same time. And I have a free account of a Zoom. And I just hit the record button. And then at the end, when I stop the meeting, it says, uh, hold on, and it processes the recording, and it puts the recording on my hard drive. Oh, I created a one-page document that I send. I haven't, I haven't been doing it lately, but I have a one-page document that has like my picture and a list of a few guests, and it says, this is the structure. And uh, I don't send specific questions because I don't have specific questions. Uh, but sometimes, if so, sometimes someone will ask, "What are the questions going to be?" And I write them a couple sentences saying, "The first episode, the first half of the episode, is about you and what you're doing. My goal is to make you look good." And then I go into the the uh, I'm going to ask you to act on your environmental values and check out my TEDx. Now I have a TEDx talk that describes it, so I, I say, "Check out my TEDx talk." I think no one actually does, and just that they know that it's there is enough for them. Oh, he's legit. And I say, "My goal is to make you look good." My goal is to make them look good. There's no ambush. There's no secret stuff. I'm not trying to make them trick them or any, in any way. I want everything to be straightforward, up and up. Do you have a problem with recording over Zoom if you're using a really good microphone and they're using their iPhone or a mic that's in their laptop? Or I, try, I tell them, sometimes in an email, I'll say, if you have a good mic, have a good mic. But the thing is, if they have a good mic, they're going to do that anyway. Occasionally, I, like Dominic Barton, I'm not, I, I had one shot to record from him. He was, he was like in a taxi going from one place to another. 
I think he was in South Africa at the time. I, he, maybe he was in Southeast Asia. He was somewhere, and I, I was like, I'm going to take what I can get. And if it's poor sound quality, that's fine. But like, now when I say to business people, three-time global managing director at McKinsey, they're like, that's, no, that's, that's serious business. So if, and some people I just get, they don't have great uh, microphones. I occasionally, if it's really low quality, I'll, yeah, someone recently, um, he was trying to do it just with his phone. And I was like, he was on the road. And then we just rescheduled for when he was home. And then we just, where he did have a good microphone. At the beginning, I, I wasn't sensitive to that. And so there were more episodes at the beginning that weren't so high sound quality. Mm -hmm. But now I don't accept that. I, I, yeah. It's not, yeah. Sometimes even the disparity just between if your voice sounds really clean and crisp, and then they come in and it's like, <laughs> yeah. the disparity between those can be really distracting. Yes, I try to avoid that now. I, and when you get to the, I mean, the speakers that I have there, most of them have, most of them have been on so many podcasts that they've bought the equipment. And so I can take that for granted. Um, so you have to have a place where you host the MP3s. There's Blueberry. There's a whole bunch of other ones. I use this one called Pippa. It just happens to, I like the interface. And this is what it looks like behind the scenes. This is like when I'm editing it. So this is the episode with Rip, who is an amazing guy. And... Uh, There's Pippa, there's Blueberry. What are the other ones? I started with, um, there's another one that's like the main big one. But it was kind of complicated interface. So I'm really happy with Pippa. I'm, I'm, I'm not recommending, I have no alignment with them or anything, but I'm, I'm happy with it. And this is what it looks like. This is what an episode looks like to the public. So you see that like it shows the picture, it shows the title, it shows a description. Down here I have the episode, and if I hit play, it would start playing. And... If people want to download an episode, there's this download thing. If they want to tweet it, they can do that. And so I'm pretty happy with that interface. And then this is what the whole, if I click show all episodes, you can see lots of different episodes. And every place has a, um, every place that hosts the MP3s has a, a player and has a, um, an interface like this. And that's why today I wouldn't pay to make my own web page. I would just use one of theirs. And if you outgrow it, fine. Then at that stage, pay someone to develop your web page or make it yourself or something like that. And I think Pippa, I pay something like $10 a month. I forget the exact number. And it allows me to have two different podcasts. And so I'm pretty happy with that. That's most of the, the, what you need to get started. And there's a huge difference, as I said, between before you do your first couple episodes and after you do your first couple episodes. And I want to get you doing your first couple episodes because that's where the learning happens. You may have spoken to this. I'm just trying to get a better sense. If you already have your own web page, uh -huh. is it going to be a, a burden on the web page to start loading up these podcasts? It's not going to be a burden because you host the MP3 somewhere else. So on my page, this is what it looks like when on... Pippa has a little iframe thing that you, you click, and it gives a little thing that you stick into WordPress. My web page is hosted through WordPress. Again, you don't need this, but if you have a page, it gives you a little thing that you stick in WordPress, and it shows like episode 000. That's, I want people to listen to that episode, so that one's up there. 
I haven't listened to it in a long time, actually. I, I probably cringe at it now. Um, and then down below, I have the, the most recent five episodes. And you know, I paid for someone to develop this page. But this, is what, this little player is automatically made by Pippa or whatever host you use. And so no one's downloading MP3s from my site. They're downloading it from Pippa's site. At the very beginning, I was doing it because I was really cheap. I was doing it with um, archive.org. You can post as much as you want on there. But that wasn't worth it. It was too complicated. I, I, it was worth it for me to do it with uh, a service. Oh, and then um, to, to do the sound engineering. For a while, I was doing it myself. But then eventually, I started using a sound engineer. The guy that I work with, I think he's based in Romania. He's in Eastern Europe. And now I record, I, when I can, I record one track for the other person, one track for me. And then I send both files to him. And also at the very beginning, I sent, you'll hear there's like a little bit of sound. So I've, I found some, um, uh, what do you call it? Um, commercially licensed, no, uh, uh, public domain sound files that the, like, the sounds that come in, in that, like the introduction sound and the outroduction sound. I found some stuff that I liked. I sent that to him and said, this is the structure that I want to do it. And so I sent him the sound files, and he adjusts the level so that my voice isn't too loud, the other voice isn't too loud. Actually, the other day, I just posted one with, um, or no, he, I sent him a file. Which one was it? It was um, these two guys. Uh, Jerry Demings and Buddy Dyer. One of them's the mayor of um, uh, Orange County, Florida. The other one's the uh, mayor of Orlando, Florida. Their PR people found me. They were coming to New York for some reason, and so I interviewed them in person in Midtown. And one of them, I think Jerry, was sitting like right by a fan. And I didn't realize this, so there was a ton of noise on his microphone. And then a little bit on the other microphone. And I thought, this is not going to sound very good. And my guy came back, and it was like, it sounded, you can't hear the, fa fa the, the, the sound of the fan at all. So he's like a magician. And um, that's, one of, that's one of the reasons I use a professional guy now. But I didn't at the beginning. Other f I hired someone for a while to do transcripts. And so she would download the file. Um, you can just use digital stuff that will take a sound file and get the words out pretty well. But when I do that, it's just words, like no paragraph breaks. It's just nonstop words, and it's like hard to read. And so she would break it up into paragraphs and so forth. But I stopped doing that. Uh, I don't know how many people read the transcripts from my episodes. It didn't seem like a lot. So I don't, if you want to do that, you can, but I, I, I stopped doing that. I think that's all the services that I use. I tested it out trying to get someone to edit my stuff more heavily. As I mentioned, they go from an hour to 20 minutes. But ultimately, I went with not that. But if you want to make it, if you want to pay for it, that kind of editing is content editing. And if you want to do that, I can put you in touch with the guy that I worked with. Um, but I found that he didn't always capture my voice, not my physical voice, but what I wanted to get out from an episode perfectly. And maybe that would come over time, but I decided not to do that. I decided to go with the longer episodes. Oh, 
Yeah, so I'm not going to show that interface, but Pippa walks you through. It, there's a thing where it says like interface or uh, connections, and you just connect. The, I, I connect to all the free ones, and the paid ones I haven't done yet. If iHeartRadio wants to do it and they're, they're going to do it for free, great. They did a promotion. I think I'm on Spotify, which normally I think I think you have to pay for, but they had some promotion and I got it free. I think, um, and that's how it gets out. Like iTunes is free, and I forget the others. I mean, I try to send people to my page so I can get their. I might I have a chance of getting their emails if they sign up for my mailing list, but that's that's how I do it. So how do I come up with topics? Now, the when I have guests, the structure came from practice. I knew from that time with my friend at the cafe and talking to him a month later that I wanted to walk people through an experience and have them on a second time. So that structure has tightened and gotten in, in more refined, but I haven't changed that. If I, can't get someone, if I know I can't get someone back for a second episode, I just talk about them and try to make them look good and try to talk about the environment to the extent I can. For my own editorial posts. So like um, confusing distinct modes of acting, lessons from extinction. These are things like the environment is something that I, I read books on all the time. I talk about all the time. And I think about, oh, that's something I could talk about. So the extinction episode, I have a file on my computer where when I have an idea for an episode, I write podcast idea. And I write, the, I write a couple notes. And then when it comes time, if I don't have anything to do, like sometimes I think, OK, it's time to do that episode. So today I just finished reading this book on population growth. And that had a lot of things. So I wrote down, I've like, I wrote a whole script for that one. So I'll do an editorial on that. That emerged over time. I live my life, and environmental things happen to me. And I think, oh, that's something useful for the podcast episode. And I do a couple episodes on that. I've done a lot of stuff on like the difference between increasing efficiency a lot of people think if you make something more efficient that that will lower the total waste. But actually, in terms of history, we've been, we're more efficient than ever and producing more waste than ever. Producing this effect of where people are, we're heading toward a cliff and people are stepping on the gas thinking it's the brake and they want to be congratulated for it because they think they're doing something that's effective. So that's something that, this is something that's come out in my podcast a lot. Was there a hand over there? Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> Oh yeah. Um, what, what do you seem to be more effective, like uh, just discussing the topic with the guest, or you just uh, spring the questions on them when they get to the, uh, to the interview? I want to make the guest look good for the first half of the first episode. I want them to feel comfortable. I want them. I don't want. I'm not inviting people on that. I, uh, there's a few guests that I've had on that I was like, I disagreed with, or knew there was going to be trouble. Like when I had the, the former head of corporate social responsibility for McDonald's. A book of his had come out. Now, on the one hand, I don't like what McDonald's is doing in many ways. On the other hand, that's where the biggest change is possible. So I want to influence. That's a world that I want to influence. So I had to be show non-judgmental support. He actually wrote me a very supportive email back, saying that he he'd, he'd done many podcasts uh, promoting his book, and this was the one where he got he felt he had the mo his voice came out the most. I was actually touched by that, and I wouldn't say we're like great friends, but we email still. So I want to make, I, I, I'm committed to non-judgmental support. I'll ask challenging questions, but not at the beginning. So Stephen Kotler, who was just on, he's very futurist. He's very like technology positive. And I think a lot of things that he thinks will, are going to work out great, I'm not so sure about. 
he also, when I said at the beginning, I'm going to ask you to act on your environmental values, he said, I'm going to pass on that. So I respect that. But I just want to do, I, I, I read his, full, his book cover to cover. I read all their books cover to cover, sometimes really fast. So I'm not going to get as much detail as I could. But I don't want to walk in not knowing what's going on. And I try to read as much as I can on them. I read their Wikipedia pages. I watch, listen to a couple um, podcast episodes of them being on other podcasts. I do what research I can for guests. I'm not going to, that I'm not going to um, disrespect them. I feel that would be disrespectful. Uh, not to know as much as, not to give a quality interview. So do people want to hear this? I mean, this is, this is out of the podcast, but maybe people find it interesting anyway. Yeah. I heard a yes. I didn't hear a no. So, uh, well, I was invited to a, a conference in LA, and it was it was seventy two hours by train, so three days, seventy two hours by train, and I stopped in Chicago on the way out to visit a friend because Union Station is right in the middle of the city, so it's not like going from the airport. And actually, I put on my on my blog. I'm going to be passing through Chicago. And one of my listeners was there, actually a longtime fan. And she was like, oh, so I met her for coffee too. Then this is a beautiful country. And you can see it from the train. I actually wrote my book, initiative I wrote on that train ride. On the way back, and by the way, if you take the subway in LA, which I do, a lot of people don't know that there's a subway in LA, even people who live there. Kind of weird. Uh, That's what I did, yeah. It wasn't, I don't remember it being that long. 20 to 30 minutes, I actually wrote on the train in LA. I waited like 30 minutes on the That was longer than I did, but I, I was taking the subway out there. I, in LA, I took maybe one or two rides, but most of I was taking the train everywhere. And then I also went up to Vancouver. Uh, since I'm there for a long time, I'm not gonna, like, I'm not gonna take 72 hours, do something, and then come back. So I went to Vinci. I actually, one of my guests was uh, Vincent Stanley, who's a director at Patagonia. And he's the nephew of Yvonne Chouinard, the founder. So he set up for me to go. To, I went up to Ventura and got a tour of, of uh, Patagonia's headquarters. I was supposed to get a surfing lesson from them, too. And we went out to the beach, but the, surf's, the, the surf was really low that day. So we just got to hang out. Um, then I stayed with a friend in San Diego for a while, came back up to LA for a bit. Uh, then I stopped in Houston, New Orleans, and Atlanta on the way back. So I made a trip of it. To get off of North America, I learned to sail. I haven't yet done it. But sailing is much cheaper than flying. I mean, in terms of like vacation, in terms of like getting away from it all. I mean, to actually just sailing in the harbor here is only a couple miles away, but it's a whole other world. Do people sail? I, I really, I thought it was like a rich person thing, like a Kennedy sort of thing. But it's not. It's, it's totally accessible. What? Or ex-Navy? I met some ex-Navy guys, but uh, I, I, the Navy doesn't sail that much these days. It's more uh, submarines and, and powerboats. And uh, it's been a life change. I've, I turned down a lot of work right off the bat when I, the year that I stopped flying. 
I was negotiating. You'll hear this in my second TEDx talk. I was, um, after I decided not to fly, right, like, boom, boom. I was negotiating to speak in Italy. And I wrote the, uh, the people organizing the conference. I forgot, right? So I'm like, oh, how am I going to go without flying? I said, will you pay for me to go by boat? And they just didn't write back. So I lost that one. Same with there was another conference in, um, in Poland that didn't work out. My sister, who lives in Queens, she invited me to go with her family because they found tickets to, round trip to Tokyo, $800. I thought, that's, I'm never, like, that doesn't even pay for the fuel. I don't know. I mean, it, so I was like, maybe I'll go, I'll start after I get back. But then I was like, well, no, I'm trying to live by my valleys here. I'm going to stick with this. And I passed on going. And I just started replacing, if I wanted adventure from travel, I found how to create adventure here. If I wanted to get other cultures from travel, I would get that here. If I wanted cuisine from travel, I've eaten food. I've forged berries and herbs in Manhattan that were as delicious as anything I got in the tropics. Do you know that you can forge berries here? I'm not going to tell you where, because they're so good. <laughs> but they're really good. And then uh, actually, near I sail the harbor in, in uh, New Jersey, there are these mulberry trees that just like the mulberries are like insane. And then the farmer's markets, I get like all these stuff. Do people eat quinces? I never had a quince before, but my CSA brought me a quince, and so I started eating that. So all the stuff that I used to get from travel, I'm getting without travel. And I'm starting to look at travel, uh, and I'm sorry, the stuff I got from flying, I'm getting without flying. I'm still traveling, but it's different. It's a different style of life. And the podcast contributed to that somewhat. Yeah, this, I mean, when I have a guest, I try to talk about them more than me. But I do talk about me a fair amount. And this will come up. This is more the TED. If you watch my TEDx talks, which I recommend, uh, then I talk about this. Some of what I just said was like quoted from my TEDx talk. Once you give a TEDx talk. Is this a book that's going to come out soon? I hope so. That's the plan. When I wrote Initiative, my second book, I was deciding between writing that or writing my book on the environment. And I knew that the environment one, I anticipated it would improve from the experience of the podcast and the connections and so forth. So I decided to do that one next. It's really hard to find the time to write a book proposal, but I've, I've written the outline. That might be your intro to Oprah, because she might be interested in hearing something like that. Yeah, I want to. It's different. Someone who doesn't float, you don't fly. It's, yeah. I mean, on a podcast, you definitely talk about it, right? I mean, the more you do it, now I know that there's a lot of people, not flying is becoming more and more common. Uh, it's, it's growing. It's not yet popular. Soon, within our lifetimes, I think it's going to go down to very, very low because carbon taxes and things like that are probably going to make it very difficult. But that's not, we're not there yet, and people aren't yet ready for it. Most people aren't. Yeah, I mean, I can tell you in my experience, as I mentioned, acting on my environmental values has become, for me, it's about the results. However challenging the first steps are, 
the results are joy, delicious, convenient as far as food is concerned, more, more variety. But the big thing is community. Every, almost every single one of my guests, when I ask them, how, did this, how do you interact with others, they constantly tell me about how it connected them with their family, their spouses, their kids, their coworkers. One guy who was like, I'm not gonna bring a, um, I'm gonna bring a mug with me. I'm not gonna get uh, any disposable single-use coffee cups. So he went from every day, he, would, he used to get away from his work for a minute. He'd go out to a cafe. But now that he brought a coffee cup with me, he had to explain to the, ca to the baristas, I, can you fill up my mug? And it, not a big shift, but it used to be he was getting away from work. Now he's going to people he spoke with. Because before, there was no interaction. It was just like, here's my money, here's your coffee, done. But now he's made some friends. Actually, I've got to tell you a couple stories. Dove Barron is one of, Dove Barron is a, he's like a leader, leadership guru type. And I had him on the podcast. And I asked him what the environment meant to him. And he told me all this stuff about when he was growing up. He got, he, according, to him, he, according to him, he grew up in a ghetto. And for him, success meant, the way he showed success was something that he looked, he, as a kid, he always looked at the cars going by, and he wanted either Jag or, I think, a Rolls. And one day he bought a Jaguar. And he, he, that signified that he had arrived, he had succeeded. And it was a Jaguar that uh, Daniel Craig, James Bond drove. I don't know which one. And he loved that car. Some people know. And so I said, you know, care to act on your environmental values. You know, this is, you have to listen to the whole episode. And I forget all the details. But he said, yeah, I'm going to go for one month. I'm not going to drive my car more than 100 kilometers. I had to bite my tongue here because that's not not driving. That's driving like a little bit less, but he's still driving. And I'm glad I held my tongue. Because a month later, he sent me the pictures. He took a picture of the odometer before and after, and it was 90 kilometers. And he had a story about how, has anyone done this exercise? It's like he uses it as a leadership exercise for clients, where you eat a meal and you put all your focus, to, you focus everything on that one meal. Your, your sight, your sound, your touch, your taste. And he said that at 90 kilometers, he had an errand to run. And the errand would be like five kilometers round trip. But he knew, he's like, Josh, if I drove that car at all, I would have gone more than 10 kilometers. I just love to drive it too much. So he said instead, he went into the car and he did that exercise, but with a car. The stitching, the leather, the, everything about it, the engineering. He just sat in the car and just took it in. And he said, Josh, I really learned to appreciate that car more for not driving that one particular time than had I driven it. Okay, interesting. Later in the conversation, he goes, Josh, let's do a third episode. I'm at sell the car. I didn't talk to him about selling a car. Had I said to him, why don't you not drive it? He might have not driven it. He might have been 90 kilometers fewer, but he would have been, I think he would have been complying with me as opposed to acting on his own passions. So we scheduled it for a year later. And in that year, we spoke a couple times, but I never asked him about the car. And so I asked him about the car. And did people think he sold it, didn't, or what? So a year later, he hadn't sold it, but he hadn't driven it either. It, was, it had been sitting in his garage the entire time. His wife's got a Kia, and they, I guess they shared that. One time, if some guy came to visit, and the guy was like, let's go for a ride in the Jag. And he's like, sorry, not driving it. And they said, well, somehow they were like, well, at least let's sit in it. So they went to go sit in it. It's got electronic locks, and the battery hadn't been used in so long. They couldn't open the car. <laughs> Dove is like, I, I mean, 
the connection that we created, I've never met him face to face. We've had great, I've been on his podcast and this is like a, a tight connection. I gotta talk about Colonel Mark Reed too. So I've been up to West Point a couple times. And so Mark Reed is the head of their um, environmental engineering department. And I'd already had Everett Spain, who was the head of their uh, leadership department. So Mark Reed said for one month, he committed himself, and then he had to ask his family, and they agreed. For one month, they would produce half as much garbage as they normally did. So he, it's like he's a kind of science type, and he was like, look, I haven't measured exactly how much, but I think it's roughly one load of garbage per week in our household. Him and his, I think, wife and three kids, but I think one kid's at college, so I think it's two kids at home. And I said, we're going to produce half as much garbage. I was like, great. Look forward to hearing how it goes in a month. So the month was last December. What does December mean? Christmas. So he's like, oh, that's a big trash producing, could be a big trash producing holiday. So I sat down with the wife and the kids and I said, what are we going to do here? Because we're going to, we got to produce half as much. And what about all the gift stuff? So they sit down and they talk it out. And the first thing they think of is um, no wrapping paper. Okay, that's something easy to get rid of. And a whole lot of middle steps, it sounds like. I don't remember all the details, and you can listen to the episode, and hopefully I haven't gotten it too far off. They decided, no gifts. We're going to take a family staycation. I think they went to Quebec or Montreal, not too far from West Point. And he said, look, i got to ask them, but I believe that if I ask any of them, this was the best Christmas that we have ever had as a family. Not despite no gifts, but because of no gifts. And I think of this guy, I talk to a lot of people about acting on their environment, and almost everyone, one thing I hear back all the time, oh, Josh, yeah, it's great that you don't, throw out your, you don't produce that much garbage. If you had kids, you would understand that's absolutely impossible with kids. Actually, my first response is usually B. Johnson, another guest of mine, whose family of four produces one family, her, her husband, two sons, their landfill garbage fits in a mason jar for a full year. So that's a role model for me. But this guy is like a one-man wrecking crew for all the excuses people make. Because a lot of people, like West Point is not a culture of tree huggers. They have a job. It's to defend the nation. That's what he does. He's willing to put his life on the line. And he's got a family. And Christmas is not an ascetic holiday. It's a holiday of giving. But he's, he's overcome all these things. America is not particularly, these days, conserving the environment. We've got a lot to give on that one. And he's, I don't, I don't think there's anyone who loves their country more than he loves his country. And so despite a culture that's not really into this, despite having a family, despite it being a holiday that's about, in this world today, it's about giving a lot of material stuff, he was able to reduce, to, to meet his goal, bring the family closer, farther than they expected. This is a life transformative thing, for, certainly for me, I think for a lot of people. And this is what gets me going. This is what I hope happens when you do your episodes, that you'll have transformative guests if you do that, or that you will transform yourself if it's, your, if it's just you being whatever you do. But this is the potential that a podcast brings, is to connect you with people. I, I, I didn't hang out at West Point before. I didn't meet, I mean, Dove Barron lives in Seattle, no, uh, Vancouver. Lorna Davis, another guest of mine, the, the one that I talked about with the clothing, it was last December, and she said, for one year, I'm going to go for not buying any new clothes for that year. She's a senior executive. She was like the CEO of, I think, Kraft in China. She was the 
I think the main person behind, I think the only first reformulation of the Oreo for China, I don't know what the reformulation was. I think maybe adding squid, I don't know. I live in China, there's a lot of squid there. And uh, anyway, so she, she just said, all right, I'm going to go for a year without buying new clothes. She can buy new clothes. She's got money out the wazoo. And she decided to do it. So six weeks later, I contacted her and said, how's it going? Because some people don't follow through. And she said not only was she not buying new clothes, but she was going through and doing what she'd been meaning to do for a long time, which was finding all the clothes that she doesn't wear and getting rid of those. And she also, she doesn't say this as much, but I always say this, one, this part. She also noticed that she had acquaintances that, she didn't really, that weren't really adding to her life. And she was kind of weaning them out, too, to spend time with the, the, the friends that she cared about more. And she gets invited to speak all the time. And she used to think, if, if she got invited to something, she used to say, her first thought was, what am I going to wear? What am I going to buy new to wear? But now she's like, I don't have to worry about that. That was such a pain. I have stuff to wear. And she gave a TED Talk. And she just wore stuff that she had. And that was fine. She could focus on what she was talking about, not worry about what people are going to think of that. And she's a super high-level executive. She's constantly talking to other super high-level level executives. So when she sends people to me, they're like super high-level executives from other places that are also not buying clothes for a year or doing whatever their, their thing is. And so it's this like growing network of stuff that is just kind of happening. Is there a particular order that you interview guests and you decide to publish them? I try to do it in the order that I interview them in. I also, since I do most guests two episodes, I try to space it out. So when I post their first episode, I wait a few weeks before I put the second episode. So like Lorna's first episode has been up for a long time. Probably, it was probably up in January. And then I'll put up the second episode after I have the second episode with her. And I just try to get, every now and then someone has a book coming out and they want to time it for a launch. And I'll respect that and I'll do that. So that episode with the, uh, the mayors was out of order. I put that order earlier uh, because their PR people were asking for that. So I get an episode, I'm starting to, it's starting to vastly decrease. It used to be that I would record and I'd leave it on my hard drive until I had like a bunch of them and then I would record the intro and outro to go with it and then I would send it to my guy and I would wait until I could do, like one day I'd do like 10 or 15 of those. But now I realize it's much better. By the way, an intro and outro, after I do the, you guys know the intro, if you don't know, at the beginning of my episodes, uh, there's a structure. First I have a little clip of the guest speaking. I try to keep that to uh, like a minute. Then there's me saying, um, oh, you're about to hear from our guest so-and-so. I loved about this episode that this happened and that happened and blah, blah, blah. And then it goes into the episode. And at the end, there's me saying, here's what I learned from this episode or something like that. So I call those guest intro, my intro, guest outro. And I record those after doing the episode. I realize now, do it right after record. Then I do it in like 20 minutes. Otherwise, it's, I wait too long and it takes a long time. That, that discipline cuts down a lot. So now I record, record intro, record outro, um, upload it to Dropbox, and then email um, the engineer. It's there. And then he works on his time. And he turns around when he can. My solo episodes, it's just me. I just record that uh, into Audacity, edit out the ums and ahs, post that an hour later, or uh, like right then and there. So the word outro, that's your coin. I didn't coin it. 
but it's a term. I mean, people use it. I didn't make it up. Yeah. Uh, to generate money, does your podcast generate money from donations, or does it from download hits, or are you just advertising through your book to generate money? I'm not generating money so far. I've not generated any money from it. I've gotten talks. I'm not. I haven't generated any money from it. Uh, lately, some volunteers have shown up that are like, I love what you're doing. I'd like to help you. And so we're almost certainly going to form a 501c3 and start getting donations. But I don't, think, I don't see this going in a for-profit direction. That's just what my podcast is about. I take that back. Uh, I, told, I told you guys about the strategy of reaching people who are in the most number of people's communities. That's one type of guest that I want on my podcast. There's another group of very influential people that I also want to work with but is not so public facing. And that would be the CEOs of corporations. I would love to get, I would love to, if there's anyone in the world that I could get to switch from, if I act but no one else does and what I do doesn't matter or this stuff, this isn't gonna work, to go to, from that to, I'm glad I did this, I wanna, I wanna share this joy with others. The CEO of Exxon comes to mind. Will I reach that person? I'm not sure. But forget to, if I could get anyone in the world to make that shift, CEO of Exxon, CEO of McDonald's, CEO of Starbucks, CEO of Monsanto, CEO of Chevron, these places, I would like to work with them. I don't think that they would do a public-facing podcast with me. So I'm developing a practice of environmental leadership consulting where I work with them privately. And I believe that that will work out, but that's not going to be, that'll be a separate organization from the podcast. But when I have the former CMO of GE, the former head of CSR for McDonald's, you know, people from West Point, then I believe that that's just, it's developing my mastery of my technique, and I believe also their comfort for them to bring me in. The more that it grows, the more these opportunities come up. And hopefully I'll form a 501c3 and get donations. That's not revenue, but that'll open up the possibility of, then I could possibly hire a marketer and get a large, larger listener base. But I'm focused right now on getting the best guests that I can. Maybe one or two more questions before we're wrapping up. You guys, you guys have been here for a long time. This must be valuable. <laughs> Question? Uh, actually, oh. I have a result. Yeah, you, uh, with the striped shirt. You mean in situations like this? Yeah. Does anyone know Oprah? No, no, no. Damn. I mean, <laughs> oh yeah, every, everyone go to Twitter and and and, and follow me. Uh, I should do more of that. I haven't been doing that as much as I should. Go to at Spodek and and connect with me on LinkedIn and connect with me. If you connect with me on LinkedIn, say that we're here so I know who you are. But that's I should do that more, and I don't do that as much as I should. I'm not so big on the marketing stuff. Uh, not to say it's not important, it's way important. I just haven't done it so much. But I hope people follow me and I hope people subscribe to my newsletter. That's how you find out about all my episodes. And I recommend listening to it. And I recommend telling everyone you know about it and go to iTunes and review it. Buy my books. You'll be glad you did. It'll be the best thing you ever did except start your podcast. Thank you. I just totally captured on your question and did what I should have done from the start. Has everyone subscribed yet? What are you waiting for? I like this guy. I saw another hand. 
you. Oh yeah. So the question was, uh, do I am I still studying and learning? Yeah. yeah, I find that the the less that you do, the more that learning about it makes you feel guilty or shameful. And the more that you do, the more you want to find. So the more that I do, the more I want to learn, because it reinforces my decisions to act. So yeah, I'm constantly learning, constantly. I didn't know that much before. Oh, before you leave, make sure to eat. Give it information. Yeah, or email josh at spodek.net. Feel free to contact me if you have more questions. So um, I find that the more that I act, the m there's a lot of environmental issues going on, right? There's 500-year storms every couple of years and things like that. There's going to be a lot of trouble coming up, I believe. But how I feel, and I believe how anyone feels, is not a measure of what happens, but is how, how much we put into it. And the more that I put into it, the better I feel. You know, you might lose a game, but if you put everything you had on the field, if you competed as best you can, I, I, don't, think you can, I don't think you can feel anything but as, as best as you can. And so I'm putting everything I can, I, I can into this, you know, subject to family and things like that. But I work hard because it, there's a lot to do. I can only do one part in seven billion, but I'm going to do everything I can. And that makes me feel better. And I, that's what I'm trying to share. I think that all of you, however much you're doing, I hope... If you give a little more, you'll feel more. You'll feel better about it. I think that's what I'm, that's what I'm trying to bring out. And so I'm always acting more, and that always leads me to find out more. So one, two, th did you have a hand? I decided against it. OK, so one, two, and then we'll break. And I'll still be, then come up and ask me questions after. Yeah, I, I get a lot of emails from people directly. I just realized like, lately that I didn't put a place to comment up there. So I don't get a whole lot of feedback there. It's, I guess that's why I get the emails, because I didn't put something on my page for people to comment on it. And that's a mistake on my part. Within environmental leadership, I jump around, yeah. And, but with the guests, it's always make the guest look good and then do that structure that I did before. Thank you very much. If your podcast gets started, please let me know. I'd love to follow. I'd love to learn what you guys are doing, especially if, if what I said and did helped it get started or steered it. Uh, I said josh at spodek.net if you want to contact me. Mention that you're here so that I know who you are. Please let me know how it goes. And thank you very much. I'll be here for a little bit. They'll kick, they'll kick us out at 6. Hi. Hey. I'm Thomason. Thomason, good to nice meet you. Meeting you. Um, just a random question. How far are you with your sailing lessons? How so, far are you learning? I haven't been, I've been on Long Island Sound, and I've been in the harbor here. I haven't been out on the open water yet, or the open seas. Uh, my goal is to cross the Atlantic. I was trying to get it done last summer. Mm -hmm. haven't done it yet. Um, I was invited to speak in Tulum, Mexico, and I almost sailed from, um, I almost hopped a ride on a sailboat from Florida to Tulum. Yeah. It didn't work out. 
takes quite a while. Yeah, I found that you can hop, you can hitch a ride. If you don't care where you're going to go, but you a certain time, that works. If you don't care when, but you have a certain place, that works. But a certain place at a certain time is hard. It's hard. If you don't have your own boat, it's hard. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, th I don't expect to buy a boat ever. No, you don't do that. It's yeah. stupid expensive. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I expect that after a couple sailing experiences, I believe that my net feeling of travel experience will be greater than flying. So if you want to learn it, there is a community sailing club, uh, Pier 66, uh -huh. Hudson River Community Sailing. They do, um, I'm part of that, that uh -huh. that's the reason I'm asking, so I sailed my whole life. And um, there you can learn uh, sailing. Uh, Pier 66? Pier 66? I mean, I took lessons from the Manhattan Sailing Club, because yeah. a friend of mine was like, recommended it. Yeah. And I was very happy with the results. Yeah. Is it a community-based one? Sounds it's even a community-based one. We do a lot of community work with um, kids and teach them leadership on the water. Uh -huh. uh, leadership training for um, like between 12 and 16. Can you email me and, I mean, I can look it up, but... Um, I, I can email you. Yeah, email me a link and because... And if I want to do stuff, it'd be, I'd love to come in with someone. Yeah. or have someone, like a recommendation or a referral, yeah. so that I'm not just blindly doing it. No, no, I uh, definitely would love to. And if you, now selling season is over, it's yeah. pretty cold. But, um, yeah, if you're up for yourself, I would take you, take you out for, for a spin around the harbor. Uh, I can't wait. Next year when the awesome. season starts. I've been on J24s. Yeah, that's what we sell. That's okay. what you sell around here. Yeah. yeah, that's the best thing. I love it. And then when, when Greta came in, I met her boat when it arrived. Oh, yeah. So, so you were part of that fleet. Yeah, me too. Well, I just watched. I, I watched from oh, shore. You were part of this fleet, bringing her in. From With all the SDGs yeah. on? Cool. Yeah. That's so, where they came from. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I wish I'd been there. Because I didn't get to meet. I, I spoke to her very briefly as she walked by. And I offered her some fruit, figuring, what would you want more after sailing across the Atlantic, but fresh fruit. It was impressive seeing her coming in with this boat. And, and, um, it, it was what? Coming in from the Atlantic with this boat, doing this trip. It was impressive seeing her. Yeah. 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 So, so that was fantastic. Yeah, I talked to, I tried to get her on the podcast. I didn't, it didn't happen, it hasn't happened yet. Uh, but I spoke to the crew of that boat, uh, mm -hmm. Boris, or the PR people for that, for them. But it didn't work out. But next time. Cool. Now I'll send you an email. And, um, yeah. I appreciate it. I can't wait for to get on the water with you. Yeah, I'd love to. Okay. And hopefully your podcast will be going by then. I just want to introduce myself. Hi. Idris, thank you so Idris? much for your time. Yeah, I appreciate it. Let me know when things get going and, and, and so I can subscribe and listen and stuff like that. Definitely. Do you feel like your PhD? Well, I could be a guest on everyone's shows. Oh, that'd be great, yeah. yeah. Everyone, everyone yeah. bring me on your podcast. <laughs> uh, I mean, go yeah. ahead if you want. Hey, everyone... Feel free to invite me to be on your podcast when you when you get it going. I would be honored. Do you feel like your PhD or academic background like informs the work you're doing now? Well, physics is the study of nature. Uh, science is the study of nature, and yeah, I think I think understanding the science, everything I do is is humble to the science. It has to be based in, in nature and in understanding nature. And I think people who don't who never studied science, I don't think they they quite get the results. The, they, they quite understand things the way I do. That's why a lot of people do stuff that actually isn't helping the environment, but they think it is. And so, yeah, that's important. To them. You're like humbly bringing it to them. Well, I'm humble to the science. I'm, I, if the science changes, I change based on that. I'm not going to... 
my belief or my feelings, yeah. if I feel like I'm doing something but it's not having any result, yeah. I got, I'm going to change my feelings. Yeah. 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 I don't understand why people don't study science more. This country is not so big into it. Yeah. So I look forward to being on your show. Yeah, thank you so much. Great oh, I went to Penn. Yeah, I saw that on your uh, LinkedIn. Yeah, it was, uh, I started there. I finished at Columbia. Oh, uh, yes, I got most of my master's at Penn. Okay. I grew up in Philadelphia, too. Oh, okay. I did undergrad. Okay. Yeah. And I played ultimate there, too, a little, if you played. Yeah. Oh, cool. Which um, field? It was down, yeah, I don't think it's there anymore. It was, well, there's a field up by, on 30, 30 across from DRL almost. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I took a lot of classes at DRL. And then there was downstairs, uh, down by the river. But that's all built up now. Yeah, it's Penn Park now. Yeah, the, there's paths and stuff. Yeah, that wasn't there. Yeah. Yeah. Great meeting you. Same here. I joined LinkedIn. Great. Take care. Just wanted to say thank you. Thank you. Josh? Uh, Uria. Uria? Yeah, way, way more helpful than I thought. Um, I'm glad you had low expectations. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to definitely subscribe. Uh -huh. And uh, I like that it's not because mm -hmm. what I'm going to do might be also about public, not directly to environment, but uh, more like public space. I'm an uh -huh. architect, uh -huh. to interview just local people. Maybe not famous people, but uh -huh. in the end, I want to interact with broader range of people and try to learn. Uh -huh. So I think listening to your podcast is great. I can't wait to hear yours. Thank you. <laughs> okay, and keep in touch. Yeah, okay. okay. Hi, I'm Hedda. Hedda? Yeah. Glad to meet you. Nice to meet you. Did you say you went to Columbia? Yeah. Oh, I'm a student there right now. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> I don't know what the, welcome to the community. <laughs> Thanks. Um, Undergrad? Yeah. Grad? I'm in grad school, yeah. I'm getting my master's in public health. But, okay. Um, I'm starting a podcast. Oh, so way uptown. Yeah, way uptown. I'm oh. in Washington Heights. Um, but yeah, I'm starting a podcast with my siblings. So this was a really informative session. I hope so. Really glad that you came I hope not just informative, because information is one thing. If it, if it helps you act, that's hopefully motivational as well. That was my goal. Yeah. I mean, we are in the middle of acting. We're like putting things together. And I think one of the things we were talking about Thank you. was how to create sound quality, because I am like recording on my like, um, my earbuds right now, because mm -hmm. I'm in New York, and we're on a call. So they're like trying to record on their phone on that end. But mm -hmm. I'm not my brother. He's going to UC Santa Cruz right now, and uh -huh. they have like a podcast recording in there. Uh -huh. So when I'm going back for a break, I think we're going to try to record there and get better sound quality. Yeah, that, definitely do that if you can, if you have access. I, I'm, I mean, people say mine sounds good, and maybe they have low standards, but it's that and, and that boom arm thing. And that seems to do pretty well. And I, I don't, re right. when I do this, it's onto the computer, not onto the phone. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that makes a difference, but it seems to work well. Oh, so, like, are you saying that I could still record in New York while they're in the Bay Area, and I just do it over, like, Zoom? Zoom? Yeah. Oh, okay, I didn't think of that. That's a good idea, actually. Yeah, I, I just, I mean, this has a USB connection. I just plug it in, and it goes straight into Audacity. And then I export from Audacity onto my hard drive, and then I have an MP3. And then my sound guy... Yeah, connect me if you want to if you want to meet my sound guy. He's oh, really yeah, good. That was the other thing I wanted to talk to you about. <laughs> that was like, yeah. Um, how did you find him? You said that somebody. Another podcaster recommended to me, and the price was pretty. It was like it's like fifty dollars an episode, something like that. So not cheap, but not crazy. And um, and it just takes out of my hands figuring out like matching levels and taking out the background noise and stuff like that. He does all that, and it's just. Yeah, if I tell him I really need it fast, he'll turn it around faster. But usually, 
I usually post, I don't know, like, um, see, I post a bunch at once on, onto the Dropbox place, and he, downloads, he gets them from Dropbox and then emails me the, the file when it's done. If, if I tell him to do it overnight, he'll do it overnight. Um, he, he'll do like, if I, if I ask for two a week, he'll do two a week, and that, that's like a steady state. But a lot of times I send him more than that, and then it takes longer. I hope that, that I haven't, I don't have enough of a structure. Like, I sh some people say, Josh, do it. Like, people like it when it comes out, like, Tuesday at 4 p.m. They know that Tuesday at 4 p.m. they're going to get it. And that gets people to subscribe because they move their life around. But I just get whatever guests that I can all the time. And so sometimes, like this week, I don't know how many people. Last week, I probably did three or four episodes. So that means I'm building up too many. So I have to, I have to post a lot to keep up. But I just like the guests. This is a means to an end. I'm not trying to get the most number of downloads. I'm trying to get the most influential people. So, so would you say you're trying to keep this like part-time? Yeah. And if I, I mean, I do want it to, that environmental leadership consulting stuff, I expect that to, I expect to be working with McKinsey on that. I mean, I'm talking to other people at McKinsey. Working with Dominic, now when I wrote people at McKinsey who work on, on um, sustainability, I'm pretty sure that when I say I had the three-time global managing director of your company, they're like, oh, this guy's legit. So I start working with them, and I think that that's going to close to some serious projects with working with major companies. But it hasn't happened yet. So um, it's in a kind of funny space where it's a passion, and I put in not a full-time job's worth of effort on it, but a lot. It's working out. That's how it's fitting, out, fitting in my life. Yeah. And one of the other things you mentioned was that you recorded multiple episodes before you even yeah. published it. Yeah. And you said that you did that for like a couple months at yeah. first, and then how often did you space out when you published your episodes? When you well, I was trying, at the beginning I was trying to do two a week, mm -hmm. and now I'm... It just depends on your schedule. Yeah, and how many I have and how many I have to get out and how many he's turned around for me. Yeah. yeah. Sounds good. Well, I might contact you about the sound okay. engineer if that's okay. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be happy to recommend him. Okay, great. Okay, Hada, glad to meet you. Hi, how are you? Hi, good. I would definitely like to uh, have you on my podcast. Uh huh. Uh, I'd love to do it. It's a bit different than most podcasts. Uh, it's a conservative podcast and trying uh -huh. to get individuals to understand about the environment. Mm -hmm. Because, of course, many people would consider it's like, oh, it's nothing. You know, it's a talk. Mm -hmm. So to have you there, especially the example that you gave about picking up a piece of trash mm -hmm. and then just. I, I, I was looking at your website. I'm like, wow. <laughs> I many times I've walked on the outside and seen trash. I looked at it. I'm like, why does someone throw this down? You know, do you want to pick it up? I'm like, do I? Don't I? Mm -hmm. And then my kid is like, oh, let's pick it up. I'm like, I can't collect all this garbage. You know, <laughs> it was just really unique that that concept, that the little simple things that you did. And like I said, I know a lot of people that warming. I'll be happy to do it. Great. Can I ask you, can you email me right now? Then I'm going to give you back the card so I don't have to have... Which, and that, that's not to, to you that I do that with everyone? Yeah, no, that's, I, I understand. That. And besides this way, definitely and this works is out. kind of dated anyway. Although it's very well done, so I have to... <laughs> It looks like you put care into it. So Josh, J-O-S-H, at S-P-O-D-E-K. 
K.net. They, you know, they asked me to change it at the last minute, and so I decided to do it with that. I wanted to do it. I wanted to do this one just me, because podcasts are fundamentally sound, and so I didn't want the visual to be. I wanted to keep it more about us. So, uh, but yeah, I would like to reach out to you just to, you know, I'm on Zoom, I use Zoom, uh -huh. to, uh, just to talk to you about it and to get your insights and whatnot. Uh -huh. And uh, we'll go from there. Okay. Thanks a lot. Great. Talk to you soon. <laughs> go ahead. I, was I thought I recognized you, yeah. Yeah, I was at the last one. So my question is, is that, you know, I, I hear a lot about this environmental thing. Uh -huh. um, so my question is that how do you exactly live life when you are kind of detached from the norms of everything? Like, you know, if you have microwave meal, that's plastic. Uh -huh.